0: Welcome to episode 77 of the MDG Grandcast, the spikiest podcast to ever do a three-man set review. Three-man set review? Of Ravnica Allegiant. Oh boy. So today we've got me, Chris Castarappo, we've got Collins Mullen. Hey, hey Collins. what's up? And we've got our good friend Lee McLeod here. Hey, Lee. Hey, y'all. So Lee is here to tell us which cards are good in KCI. <laughs> <laughs> very <laughs> limited
1: lessons cards. Yeah, 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 yeah. For
0: but sure. We've
2: only engaged you for that very limited oh, that, purpose. That's true, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. I'm just contracted
0: under. Oh,
2: there's a card in yeah.
0: KCI. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So Lee's here to expand his horizons a little bit. Maybe, maybe talk about some some new cards. It'll be great. I'm excited. Yeah. I don't want to talk about too many things before we just get into it. Let's, because these honestly, episodes are... let's get into it because because uh, right. these episodes can can run a little long and I think that we're all excited about this new set. All right. Absolutely. Yeah, screw it. No no preliminary. So we'll start with white. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah. Well, we should probably go over our rating scale uh, real quick. Okay. Fine. <laughs> fine. Fine. All right. All right. So we're doing letter grades. Don't worry about these letter grades too much. They're just to help like, put a pin in it uh, after we talk about the cards. Just going A, B, C, D, and F, your A's are your format-defining cards that really, like, like shape standard around them. So our example for that is Niv-Mizzet, which we did not peg as a full-on A during the last review, but standard became pretty... Oh, yeah. Right. Super Niv-Mizzet-focused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, your Bs are your consistent format presences, they make you know multiple different decks and, and they are a big part of standard. Uh, a lot of like really efficient powerful removal spells end up here, uh, cards like Fine Finality I think are also Bs. Cs are more role players, they're good cards, they're very useful, but they may be limited by the type of card that they are to specific kinds of decks. So Crackling Drake is our example from the last set. Ds are more speculative cards. Uh, they can be good if the format ends up in a place where you want that specific effect, but they're not necessarily inherently super powerful. So something like a Thought Bound Phantasm would be a card that you know maybe could see play, but looks like you know standards ne- probably not going to get to that point. Fs. You know, Fs we hand out pretty rarely because it's not worth handing out grades to, like, strictly limited Grizzly Bears and that sort of thing. So we only really talk about Fs when they're cards that get hyped up and we think that they're grossly unplayable. Which usually, you yeah. know, that's that's a very limited Venn diagram. Yeah, we're hoping to avoid Fs if we can. So something like old-growth Dryads from, from Rivals of Ixalan yeah. was yeah. something that, that stood out as one of those. All right. Now we can jump into it? Yeah, now we can, we can jump, jump into up. it. All right. All um, right. Well, great. I guess uh, I guess I'll start reading off the white cards. Sure. Um, first up, we've got Angel of Grace. So this is the this is the white mythic. Um, I think that each of the colors have a have a mythic that's kind of prominent. So this is the white one. It's uh, three white, white for a flying a flash flying five four angel. It says uh, when Angel of Grace, Grace enters the battlefield until end of turn, damage that would reduce your life total to less than one reduces it to one instead. Uh, it also has a 6-mana activated ability uh, that you can activate when Angel of Grace is in your graveyard, uh, and it says your life total becomes 10, uh, and you have to exile it from your graveyard. So this card is pretty interesting, to be honest. It's a 5-mana it's a flash angel, and those, I think, are generally pretty strong. It's got good stats. It's a 5-4. Um, and it has a pretty interesting you know, and unique text on it, which is... Uh, you know, it, you can you can essentially fog a uh, it's, you know grace. Yeah, angel of grace casts basically angel's grace. Right, you still lose the game, I guess, but that's uh, not really a thing in standard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I think that this card is definitely interesting, but I think that it's kind of hard to tell whether or not this is going to see a lot of play. I think it's going to end end up uh, being predicated by what you know, if there's an archetype that ends up wanting a card like this. Yeah, and I'm having trouble picturing, like, the type of deck that I would build. You know, this isn't a control card. This isn't an aggro card. This really doesn't even feel like a mid-range, like, value card. Like, I'm, I'm having trouble, like, picturing the deck yeah. that I would build that I would want a card like this in it.
2: So. Right. So I, I thought about this card a little bit because people were very unimpressed with it. Mm-hmm. I think getting a little too caught up in the uh, the Fog ability, the Angel's Grace ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, I like this card as, like... The top of your curve in a mid range deck,
1: mm-hmm.
2: sort of sure. like the, the Archangel Avicen, the not nearly as flexible as Archangel yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh It's just, well, like, think about a bant mid rangey deck where you're trying to, like, hold open a frilled mystic and, mm-hmm. but still attack them. Yeah. Uh, this card can come down and block a dude and then attack them because that's how you're trying to win the game. Yeah. And it seems perfectly fine for that. It's reasonably static. It has an ability that's not the worst. Like, yeah. sometimes your opponent will just alpha strike you. Like right. week one, yeah, because they don't know all the cards, mm-hmm. and you'll play Angel of Grace, go to one, and kill them on the
0: backswing. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> the the really big call to Archangel Abyssin, and the reason that Archangel Abyssin was a defining card in its format was because it was it created so many blowout opportunities, yes. and I think that if Angel of Grace can create, you know, it's it's definitely not going to create as many as Archangel Abyssin, <laughs> no. but uh, if it can create blowout scenarios then you know that gives your deck a lot of equity it just kind of inherently so you know if if we if the format gets to a point where people are putting themselves in a position to really get punished by a card like this then i think that it'll be great to see play but at the moment i think that my current grade on it is going to be a little more speculative i i'd be willing to go to about a c on this i think it just has a lot of text it's yeah i mean you know it's, (laughs) it's raw power level it seems fine Yeah. I have trouble picturing exactly where it ends up, but you know, a deck with just you know, you said you mentioned Frilled Mystic, a deck with a lot of flash cards that just can represent a bunch mm-hmm. of different effects on your opponent's turn. This could be one of those effects and be, be fine in a deck like that.
2: It costs the same mana to cast as it does to
0: adapt the Incubation Druid, yeah. to too. Sure. sure, yeah, for sure. So. Um, and you know, I'm sure, Bant Flash. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's actually a big deal because. Adapt can be paid as an instant and so that is one of the effects that you leave up on your opponent's turn Just give you a huge amount of flexibility with what you're spending your mana on I like it. I like it a lot. All right next up. We've got uh, exposed to daylight So this is a three-mana instant two and a white says destroy target artifact or enchantment and scry one So this I think will show up as probably a one or two of in a sideboard Yep. sometimes Um, you want to gain four life. Sometimes you want to scry one. Yeah, you have the option right? That's it yeah, and, that, and that's very reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I think this is—it's it's definitely going to see play in some context. Maybe people determine that the four life is just way more important in the format, but um, just I depends that, on the decks that you're boarding it in against. Yeah, yeah, pretty easy sideboard game Great. Yeah, this that's one, right. That's for sure. And then we've got forbidding spirit. So this one is—it's definitely an interesting one. So it's a—it's a three mana, three three, one double white. When Forbidding Spirit enters the battlefield, until your next turn, a creature can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control unless their controller pays 2 mana for each of those creatures. So it's, it's a 3 mana 3-3, three, three, which is you know reasonable enough body, and when it comes into play, you're making attacking that turn pretty difficult for your mm-hmm. opponent. So this card seems pretty phenomenal against any go-wide strategy. Um, like, I'm kind of envisioning there might be a, a Rakdos aggro, you know, a bunch of one-drops deck that, you know, is just really trying to utilize future combat to get your opponent dead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and if your opponent has, like, three creatures out and you play a Forbidding Spirit on turn three, that's a, you know, you're you're really hampering your opponent's ability to get in damage on you. And I'm wondering, I don't think we have the tools for it because we don't have, like, a momentary blink type of card that's, like... Clearly, standard playable, but yeah. at some point, some sort of Bant Blink deck that has a variety of comes into play abilities like this and Frilled Mystic and <laughs> like, I don't know, Angel of Grace or whatever. Yeah. Like, you could potentially have a lot of different things you could do with a Blink card. This might be a tool in a deck like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point for sure. Uh, do we have access to much Blink stuff? I, I don't there's a bad percent. one in this set that like blinks a guy for one in the white and gives it first strike when it comes back into play. Sure. There's, there's like no happy to play. Yeah. There's no, no, no like actually powerful the, ones the mm-hmm.
2: only weird thing about this card is i have a hard time imagining well, it's really good if you play against Rockdos and your opponent can attack you and you care about them attacking you
1: yeah
2: uh, but it's odd that it's a three mana three three in white where you also want to have that body and play this effect and also not attack your opponent because your opponent can't attack them usually it means they can block right
0: true so, so it, you, it puts you you it probably at a weird can't attack state. the turn after you cast this right right yeah well, I I would imagine that this card actually would end up as more of a sideboard card. And um, what kind of deck? In just a, a solidly white deck that wants to be defensive, maybe even like a you know if a control deck is really suffering, has a has a bad matchup against the the, the aggressive decks, they would consider. Sideboarding in a card like this, because standard in standard people have sideboarded cards like just like a a two three that gains three life or whatever when it comes Uh, out. Oh, like the two one for for
2: three in the like I think that gained four life when it comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my team, actually.
0: Right, or you know, when there was the embalm uh, creature that uh, you could get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A card like that that just like happens to be really good against aggro decks, pretty much specifically can every once in a while kind of pop up as a, mm-hmm. um, as, a as a role player in standard. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. And every, that's about where I'm going to evaluate yeah. this card at. Sideboard yeah. or D, something like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Agree. Um, yeah, definitely not a like proactive, like, wow, I'm really excited to build, build a whole deck, deck around, around this. this. No, yeah, that's, yeah that, it's just not I really... You draw this card, slam it on three. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so next up we have uh, Hero of Precinct 1. So this is a 2-mana, 2-2, uh, for one and a white, says, uh, whenever you cast a multicolored spell, create a 1-1 one, one white human creature token. So it is a human and creates human creature tokens. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a bunch of people talking about this in humans, but you don't cast very many multicolored spells in humans. Right. <laughs> and ideally you're not casting them at all. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you're, you want to vile in your threes, right. Way more than you want to be casting yeah. your threes.
2: And those are all the multicolored ones, right? There's no multicolored. I guess Medley Mage
0: is the multicolored. Team. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only the multicolored cards are Medley Mage, Reflector Mage, Mantis Rider, and then some weird like sideboard, sideboard cards, cards right? All. Like or whatever. Right. So it's not that many. Even if you are hard casting all of them. Like yes, if you make one or two tokens and then Thalia's Lieutenant, like this card is great. Yeah, but this is not where I see this card seeing play. No, no. The, yeah, this this card not not playable in Modern Humans. Um, it is interesting though. Uh, I've seen a couple of cards floating around the set, and I'm sure we'll talk about more that have multicolored spell synergy. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not really sold that that this is going to be that powerful of a payoff for that kind of deck. So I've seen it. Like, when you look at this, it kind of looks like a, you know, build some sort of aggro deck around it, but I've seen it mostly in Brews, where, where it's looked good to me, has been in Brews, like Aristocrats kind of things, that just, they naturally have so many multi-colored yeah, spells in yeah, I just that. Yeah, that's fair. It's
2: a it's a really good token producer if you're trying to play with, like, Priests of the Forgotten Gods, I believe is the name of it. Okay. Yeah, the Sac 2 guys to do a bunch of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, if you're playing this there's as...
2: A, there's so many multicolored cards you want to play in those decks already. Yeah,
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, for sure. And if you're playing this as, like, you know, in a deck that just wants bodies... It's part of an engine as opposed to, like, an aggro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So I could definitely see it being, you know, that kind of, like, role player in that specific archetype. Um. So yeah, that, you know that could be fine. I'm I'm more than happy to give this card a C. I think yeah. I think Aristocrats has gotten a lot of tools from like it's it's basically not even like a block constructed deck. It's like a set constructed deck, but it it looks powerful to me. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, it uh, it, I, I definitely think it has the potential to be to be really good and and an archetype that is is built around it. So yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm 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 down for a C. Uh, next up, we have Impassioned Orator. So, this is another two mana 2 2. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. So, it's just All like right. the worst Soul Warden. It's a two mana <laughs> Soul Warden. Uh, it's a two mana 2 2 instead of a one mana 1 1. one. Um, it, it curves like really badly into a Johnny's Pride Mate if compared to. Yeah. To <laughs> right. If you're super desperate for two drops for right. some
2: reason in white and you have to have them interact mm-hmm. with Johnny's
0: Pride Mate. This is the card for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, a Johnny's Pride Mate is a card that is a very, very powerful payoff for getting that kind of incidental life gain. But I think that in order for there to be a real archetype around that in a standard format, there has to be more than just a Johnny's pride mate for yeah. a path like that, and we already have the tools to enable the pride mate, mm-hmm. so we don't really need this other bad two drop that yeah. makes us super vulnerable to Definite Clarion right. to do it. The only other card I can think of that would be, I think, similar on power level is the enchantment that says you can pay a mana and or two mana and draw a card oh, every don't time you. Articles- articles
2: blood Wait, what Dawn Dawn of Hope oh, Dawn of... of Hope. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right,
0: right. So that would be another potential payoff for, you know, an archetype that I would think would want to support a card like, or would need a card like this. Yeah. But it also feels like there's just so many other cards that yeah. are cheaper and also gain you a life. I'm, I'm not really sold on this one. Speaking of payoffs, this one yeah.
2: I just thought of. There's a, there's a card in this set called Font of Agonies, which is a, a black enchantment that says whenever you pay life, you put that many blood counters on the enchantment. You can pay one and a black and remove four blood counters to destroy target creature. Uh, so that doesn't sound like a, a direct payoff because you still have to be paying life, and this card does not have anything to do with paying life. Yeah. Uh, but that Fawn of Agonies does combo with Adonto Vanguard, which has you pour four life. So every time you want to activate Adonto Vanguard, you can destroy a creature. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of cute. Which is kind of cute, and having some good instant life gain in your aggro deck if you're trying to clear the board with Adonto Vanguard and this yeah. enchantment. That can be kind of cool. Is right. that good? Probably well, not. <laughs> no. Yeah, I uh,
0: I'm. I think that this card is It just kind of screams uh, limited archetype to me. Right. Or like um, F and over agree. anything else. Yeah. yeah. It like limited ar- Like this card seems to be a pretty strong role player in like the limited archetype that needs cards that have life gain because it's a common. You know, that kind of stuff, so... But in terms of, like, constructed playability, I'm kind of less sold on this Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try to build around this thing. Yeah. After that, we've got uh, Sky Tether. So this is a one-mana enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature has defender and loses flying. This, to me, just seems like a fine sideboard card out of, like, control decks that just want to have a way to shut down a creature for one mana. Like... If you're a control deck and they play like a Chain Whirler or something like that, you are perfectly happy to pay 1 mana to put a Sky Tether onto it. Yeah. Or, or even just on a 1 mana guy, you're at mana parity. So I think this is just a fine removal spell if all you care about is whether or not their guys are hitting you. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think that this is uh, this is definitely one of the better uh, 1 mana removal spells that a control, a control deck can have access to out of white. Um, and it might be true that that a white single mana removal spell is something that the control decks are going to look for mm-hmm. because you know you don't you don't, are always gonna want to play red for like shock effects and stuff like that. Right. Um so yeah, I mean I, I could definitely see this uh seeing play. The yeah. other card that was kind of similar to this that was printed in a recent set was the opposite essentially. It said the, the creature can't uh can't ad- or sorry, it can't block. Right, but that line of text is so much worse than the creature can't attack in my mind. So, so yeah, I mean, this one definitely is is up there for uh, consideration for me. And I think that uh, if you're if you're trying to brew around a control deck that's playing white, you should you should consider this. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so I think a a solid C, like it fits into. A deck that isn't attacking your opponent at all until yeah. it casts Niv Mizzet or whatever. Right, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> if we're still casting it, and then Mizzet it doesn't have mana, so you know you don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we're gonna give your creature defender and say it can't uh, block Niv Mizzet specifically, and, <laughs> and that would be fine. Perfect. <laughs> right. Perfect. It's funny how we're talking about Niv-Mizzet and its interactions with this white card, but I, I believe that that's just going to be the world that we live yeah, in. I, I, I agree. We got mana uh, is really strong in this set, or every set now. Yeah, standard. We just have all of the duels. And Chromatic yeah. Lantern and <laughs> all these other cards. <laughs> yeah. All right, so next up we've got Tithe Taker. So I think we mentioned this one before, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a 2-mana two 2-1 two uh, Human Soldier. During your turn, spells your opponents cast cost one more to cast, and abilities your opponents activate cost one more to activate unless they're mana abilities. It also has Afterlife 1, which is when it dies, you get a 1 1 uh, white and black spirit creature token with flying. To me, overall, this feels pretty low on the list of white two-drops that I'm trying to play in most of my decks. Yeah. I think the fact that it has Afterlife means that it deserves a look for Aristocrats style decks, sure. but I also think there might just be several two-drops that you want before this one in, in decks like that. Yeah, if, if an Archetype is interested in this card minus the Thalia-esque text, if you know if a, if there's like a, a sacrifice mm-hmm. deck that's like wow I just really want as many bodies. as many two mana or two to, two or one mana cards that turn bodies into bodies
1: mm-hmm.
0: then they might be interested in this but the problem with the text on this card is that if you're playing this in an aggressive shell your the text on this card is like worse in that context than anywhere else because I think that the best scenario. For this text, where it says during your turn, suppose your opponent's cast is more expensive. That's really good against counterspells, and but counterspells in general are pretty bad against any sort of white weenie strategy. Sure. Right. So you know, post board people are going to be like the control players are like, all right, get all these three mana counterspells out of my deck, anyways. So the fact that we have this two mana creature that makes those worse is just—it's just not really what you're going to be looking for. It almost
2: only affects the white instance people would play on your turn, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Seal Away and Settle the Wreckage, mm-hmm. essentially. Sure. And yeah. Seal Away,
0: they could cast on their turn. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fine against Seal Away, but or it's fine against Settle the Wreckage, but like yeah. that's not enough. Right? It, it
2: competes with the other cards. If you believe The like, other that two drops
0: in the format as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you believe that your white deck can pretty consistently force your opponent to have Settle the Wreckage exactly on turn four then sure, you might consider if this card. But if you're casting a 2-1 on turn 2, then right, you're yeah. <laughs> that's, <not, laughs> that's not exactly the, the, the speed, speed that of, you're you're going to go I with. mean, I, I guess I guess in that scenario, you're you casting a Tide Taker four. on turn 4 or 5 yeah, to, yeah. to like get him, right? Right, yeah. But that, that doesn't seem like a great... That's not the play pattern I want to like build my deck around. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'd give this one a D. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up, we've got Unbreakable Formation. I love this card. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> nice. So, so it's a three minute instant for two and a white. It says creatures you control gain indestructible in the end of turn. Uh, it also has addendum. Uh, if you cast a spell during your main phase, put a plus one plus one counter on each of those creatures and they gain vigilance until end of turn.
2: I've heard this card be described as Song of Fraley's, but you just skip the first two <laughs> <characters>. <laughs> Yes! <laughs> it's just the like same part. <Yeah>. And Saga of Fraylee's is almost good enough. Right,
0: yeah. Because eventually you get to the point where you get to that Yeah, you blah, blah, just jam
2: all your creatures into their their face, and they, yeah, they just can't block, yeah. them. I mean, um, block them.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that the flexibility of this card is very, very strong. Yeah. So you can use it proactively by antheming your team, and that's great. But it's also... It can be against a control deck, a defensive card. Mm-hmm. So if they if they want to cast the new 4-mana Wrath, you can really get them. Honestly, like... We we've seen this type of effect before. There are other cards that do this that like give you guys indestructible and effectively counter a wrath. Mm-hmm. And they've always been like, if you do counter the deafening clarion or the Kaia's wrath or whatever with it, like you probably should, like, win the game. Yeah. But they're so worthless in so many scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this card's just great in most of those mm-hmm. scenarios. If your opponent is also on a creature deck, those those like indestructible like th- those types of cards are hard to leverage. But if your opponent's on a creature deck, you just get to cast this and have like an impossible to defend against attack. Plus one, plus one Vigilance, and Indestructible for a turn. But the plus one, plus one stays around. Yeah. Right. Sign me up. Yeah, seems great. So if, if we're playing a white weenie deck... Even if we're playing some sort of aristocrats deck, I
2: think there's a home for this card. Yeah, if, if we're playing a white deck with creatures in it, I'm interested in this card. I <laughs> agree. <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I agree with Lee. I, I think this is definitely going to, people are definitely going to try this out in, in many white shells. It's so. just so flexible. Yeah. Yep. So Absolutely. solid C with eyes on B, honestly. It just yeah, C plus. Really we'll see how the format turns out. But um, I think for now, I'm, I'm willing to give it a C plus. Sure. For sure. Alright, so for the first one we've got for blue is Benthic Biomancer. This is 1 blue for a 1-1 one, one merfolk wizard mutant. It has adapt 1 for 1 and a blue, so if this creature has no plus 1 plus 1 counters, you can pay 1 and a blue to put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on it. Uh, whenever 1 or more plus 1 plus 1 counters are put on Benthic Biomancer, draw a card, then discard a card. So. As a card on its own, this is pretty medium. It, it's not very good if you just play it in a vacuum. It, yeah. it,
2: it loots once for three mana. Like and the leaves turn
0: a 1-2 behind. Right. Or, yeah.
2: a two, two. or a 2-2. Two, yeah, 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Which, Which is not very good.
0: No, not very you, you good. You
2: basically paid for some sort of Grey Ogre that looted. Yeah. Yeah. But if we're combining mm-hmm. it with some other plus-plus-1 cards, or ca- counter-placing cards, that's mm-hmm. when it gets interesting. With Adonis Climb, you get to loot every turn until Adonis Climb flips. Yeah you're playing with some sort of merfolk cards you can play with i believe it's called deep root elite whenever you cast a merfolk spell you put a
0: plus one plus one counter on a creature you control and kumena also puts plus one plus one counters on all your merfolk yeah right. merfolk is chock full of plus one plus one energies yeah. so there there is definitely a consideration there and an extra one mana play in merfolk is probably really important especially since it digs you towards kumena and misbinder the, the two the, most two actually good cards in the deck right right, right. yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so I right. I think that in it's probably likely that if there is a Merfolk deck that ends up coming out of this set, it's just gonna run four of these, yeah. This is gonna be a, a, a role player in that deck. But I it still feels like we're a little far away from that happening. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we didn't get a ton of Merfolk in this set that were super powerful. We did get another one that we'll talk about later, but um but uh, I think that, that that standard Merfolk deck needed a lot of help to compete with what we've got going on. And the power level of the rest of the set seems Although, very strong. Although, Breeding Pool is a big step in the right direction for that. For deck. Merfolk. Okay, yeah. that's fair. So, like, that was one of the problems with the deck, was if it, you had to run some sort of, like, unclaimed territory mana base that made casting, like, Spell Pierce hard. Um, I don't think Merfolk is going to be great, but this would be a key to, to helping it out.
2: It's a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, speculative, like, this, yeah. I'm not given this more than a D, but... No. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, we've got Mass Manipulation, and it is not... We're not manipulating mass, we're manipulating, like, a lot of things. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's the yeah. idea. It's not a gravity type <laughs> No, this isn't a gravity thing. Bummer. So this is XX, blue, 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 blue. How many so blues is that? It's four, <laughs> four, blues, four blues, two X's. Okay. Yeah, It's a sorcery, gain control of X target creatures and or planeswalkers. So okay, so six mana We're pulling out the chalkboard gain, here. Yeah, <laughs> Six well, you know, this is just gonna help me evaluate it. Yeah. Six mana, steal a thing. Sure. We've already got that within Bullus' clutches. Eight mana, steal two things. Ooh, we don't have that yet. Oh, yeah. That's that's not bad. 10 mana steel, 3 things, it's probably not going to That's the pipe dream, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do they have 3 creatures and planeswalkers and, like, you got up to 10 mana and <laughs> yeah, nobody's dead yet? Wow, we really did it this yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so 6 mana steel thing with the a potential upside of 8 mana steel, 2 things, is kind of how I evaluate this card, mm-hmm, right. which, you know, isn't it's not the worst. If there is a, uh, if there's a green-blue ramp deck that ends up being very, very rampy, and can pretty much get up to ten mana uh, reasonably. Mm-hmm. I think that this card might be a potential, you know, one of in the deck. Outside of that, it's kind of tough for me to justify playing this. And I think it might also just be a great sideboard card in a deck like that. Sure. You know, play the mirror. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right. It does seem very good in the mirror. I I can't really see where
2: else it'd be useful because if you have that much mana at a ramp deck. Uh, usually your, your 6 fight. dropper or your 8-drop is just, just going to be worth stealing a creature or more. right yeah. Like, we already
0: have an XX threat in the blue-green deck that we're going to go over when we go over 7. True, I right. true, true. Um, but, I, yeah, I think this, this seems like a mirror-breaker kind of card for me, mm-hmm. and I think we are going into a heavy mana format where you are able to cast giant yeah. things. Yeah, so... And it is worth remembering that you know Confiscation Coup was a main deck card in mm-hmm. uh, in Teamer, and I think a lot of that was due to the fact that the Teamer Mirrors specifically got so popular, and that kind of effect is really good in those mid-range Mirrors. Yep. Um, and also the Teamer Mirrors were really predicated on 5-mana bombs. Um, so being able to steal your opponent's 5-mana bomb with your 5-mana... Which, bomb. which five mana bomb could you possibly be referencing here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Glory Bringer. No. Rest in um, peace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because nobody's even come close to considering Embolus's Clutches right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical that this will see much play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll see much yeah. play at all. No, I'm pretty speculative. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So next, this is I pretty much just grabbed this one because it's so weird. <laughs> uh, but like any i'll read the card first so this is mesmerizing benthid this is three blue blue for a four five octopus when mesmerizing benthid enters the battlefield create two o2 blue illusion creature tokens with whenever this creature blocks a creature that creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step mesmerizing benthid has hex proof as long as you control an illusion Mm -hmm. any of the like five mana creatures that bring buddies with them that do a thing, they tend to find a home somewhere. Sure. It is really hard to kill you on the ground through this thing yeah. before you start doing, like, your end game stuff. Yeah. Because it, like, kills guys for a couple of turns by blocking with those illusions. It's hard to attack through a 4-5, especially if you can't aim a removal spell at it. Like, this yeah. feels like a bridge card in a sort of rampy deck. For a
2: blue card, it is extremely well-statted. 5 mana for a 4-5? Yeah. That brings some buddies
0: to board. Yeah. for? Yep. No power on the buddies, but, no. uh... But, um, but they yeah. do a, th- a real thing. Yeah, like, oh, for sure. if, if they were one ones, they would chump block. Each of these O2s kind of chump blocks twice. Yeah, and that's... Yeah. That is very, very good. And in case anyone's wondering about the other illusions
2: in Standard, because you don't have to keep one of its illusions around, True. just any illusion, there is only one illusion in Standard right
0: now. <laughs> it is Norcombeva. Uh, so, <laughs> probably not going to be,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Unless you create an illusion with Jace Cunning Castaway. That's true. Yeah, uh, that's true. Okay. Now so we're, we're just playing a bunch of bad illusions. Just all <laughs> terrible. I don't know. I illusion. like illusion Octopus Tribal. <laughs> I think if you gotta buy time on the ground, this is like one of the best cards in standard. To to, to yeah, do that for sure. Yeah. In so I I think that this is like a pretty pretty narrow you know role player. Definitely. Um. That that some decks might end up realizing that they're like hey do we want to play this card that they like remember from the set review? maybe yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah like, and but, then you, if the first time you cast it then you're like oh right, yeah, yeah, this does exactly what my deck needs to do on exactly. turn five this, right
2: this feels like a card if the blue green ramp deck is real like maybe you'd have one of them in there to mm-hmm. just like stall a couple turns to sure. make your super big plays happen yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, so right, good against like other creature decks. Um but it you know, although this card does have hexproof in the text, Eventually. I would I would remind that, you know it's, uh, it's an ETB trigger to make these guys, and if you're playing against a control deck, don't expect them to... Oh, yeah, the Bristling Hydro play. Yeah, right. yeah, it's it's an ETB trigger to protect it, and uh, they're going to be able to respond and kill it you're if right. they're Bedevil or whatever. That, in fact, kind of lowered my... That's a good point. ...perspectives on this card a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah, so pretty speculative on this one. Yeah, yeah I'm going to give it a D from for me. Sure. Next five mana one, I think, is already found some clear homes so, though yeah this same. one this one i'm more about yeah <laughs> same mana cost three blue blue for an instant draw three cards addendum if you cast a spell during your main phase instead scry three then draw three cards if we're digging for nexus of fate yeah i was gonna say this um, goes six cards yeah. deep <laughs> taking turns anybody who i mean this is this is digging you know <laughs> so uh i definitely don't mind that this
2: card is especially really good with I believe the enchantment's called Wilderness Reclamation, where yep. you untap all your lands. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just that you can cast it during your main phase, and you know, get the scry and then untap all your lands to have interaction. You can do both. You can cast it right. if you want to do something else during your turn, you can still draw three after you untap right. your lands. Right. And,
0: and and with wilderness reclamation, which we will talk about when we get to wilderness reclamation more, yeah. but it's I don't think we can talk about this without talking about that. Like you want a critical mass of powerful instant speed effects in your deck so that you can th- this yeah. is the enchantment So the enchantment works. Right, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So having this just be okay, I can spend my five mana on your turn drawing three cards and <laughs> enough fuels because I have infinite mana with this Wilderness Reclamation, like, this is exactly the kind of effect you want. Absolutely. That. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a good point. So, potentially C, I think, in my mind? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it might also see play,
2: well, a, a couple of control decks right now play one chemistry sometimes just to have a little extra card draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, this might be good in that slot just because it draws three right away instead of two, then discard one for two more.
0: No. Potentially. Yeah, I mean if 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 they determine that five is a five is the cost fine, they want yeah. is a fine like mana cost for that kind of effect, then I uh, then I think they might entertain that. But as it stands, I think that the difference between four and five for that slot in that kind of deck is, is significant. So, Especially given that Teferi is kind of yeah, 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 taking, taking up, up a lot the, of room in the fun <laughs> spot for sure. Next up we've got Terramander. And there's a P at the start of that word, so for those of you following along. <laughs> I, I love that every time Chris talks about this card, he really, really wants to mention So it's this. not, it's it's not just, a Terramander? It's, yeah. It is not a Terramander, yeah. <laughs> this is a Flying man. One blue for a 1-1 flyer. But it's also got Adapt 4 for 7 and a blue. This ability costs one less to activate for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. I mean, this just has huge eternal format implications. I'm yeah. super psyched to put it into Phoenix and in Modern. I think it's also very possible that it's standard playable. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it it could be true that this is, like, one of those hybrid late-game threats that is fine early. Um, I'm just not sold that the, the, the body's going to be worth the, like... Four man investment, I'm assuming. Well, it's so, take well, so I'm picturing it in, you know, as like Drake's 9 and 10, if the Drake's deck still exists okay. in standard. And to me, the selling point of this is that it's very easy to, you know, one mana, one one flyer, your opponent doesn't want to spend the removal spell on it until you commit a little more into it. Yeah. And then, so you can wait until you can pay the adapt cost and have dive down up, and then it is really hard for them to deal with. Okay. I don't think it's going to be great in standard, yeah. but it's a potential slot for a deck like that. Yeah, I'm sure people will be trying it out. I'm not sold on standard quite yet, but I, I, I mostly care about modern implications. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited I, about modern. I, and I agree.
2: In modern, it's going to be a gem, but in yeah. this in standard, I just don't think the the front half is worth anything. So I, okay,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, the front half is worth more in modern because plinking yeah. yeah. in in your lightning bolt deck is <laughs> right. actually really yeah. good. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, very excited about it in Modern. I think that the Phoenix Tech is already proving itself to be one of the premier archetypes in Modern. And And desperately needed a third third. (laughs) (laughs) threat, Right, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is just kind of answering that that call a little bit, which is really nice. Um, One thing to keep in mind with it is that it is vulnerable to the graveyard, um, so you're kind of doubling down on that a little bit. But I actually kind of like having it in there alongside Phoenix because it makes like one shot graveyard hate effects so much more awkward for your opponent you would you couldn't get them to pop their nile spellbomb or their tormod's crypt without committing to getting phoenixes back in play here if terramander is one of your threats they have to proactively exile your graveyard to keep you from just getting a dragon mm-hmm. um, and so the you know you don't necessarily have to lose phoenixes to, to get them to pop their, their thing, and that's kind of nice.
2: It also helps Thoughtscour be a little bit better if it doesn't mill Faithless Looting or mm-hmm. Phoenix, because if it, if it doesn't hit those two cards, it's really just a cantrip yep. right now. This yep. one reduces the cost by at least the Thoughtscour.
0: So. Right. Yep. Yeah, definitely pretty good there, for sure. Yeah. So I, like, you know, our, our ratings break down a little bit when we have, like, multiple formats to look at. <laughs> I mean, I want to put this at, like, a B in Modern. Like, I'm yeah. just so hyped to play this in Modern. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm i definitely down for B in Modern. And then maybe a D in Standard. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, next up, we've got Quench. One in a blue for an instant. Counter target spell unless its controller pays two. Yeah, I think that people are generally pretty excited about this card. I am less so. Mm. Um, I think that people keep on comparing this card to rune snag but they yeah. uh the fact that rune snag kind of translated a little better into the late game by stacking on itself yeah. was i think more important than people recognize because the rune snags that you found later on were slightly more likely to be able to trade for a card but this in a late game scenario is much harder to trade for a card
2: R- rune snag was huge in that account of itself yeah. And Also, count out your opponent's copies. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. if your opponent played a rune snag first, your right. your rune snack, your first rune snag was very good. Yeah. 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 Uh, but even discounting that, quench just doesn't translate at all into the late game. No, it doesn't. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, it's like a spell pierce effect where you're just like really hoping that that one specific scenario, scenario where it's good, comes up. And there are definitely, uh, you know, I think that there are definitely matchups, and even even decks, uh, singularly, that, that are very interested in a Pierce effect. But this, I'm a little less sold on. I'm, I I feel pretty confident that people will be playing this card early on in the format. Uh, so I think that it's definitely going to be something that people are going to... that it will be correct to play around in, like, a week one open. Mm-hmm. But I think that as the format evolves a little bit, people are going to start to realize that this card just isn't even close to a mana leap. So... And and yeah, I like how you mentioned spell pierce because like, so the floor of quench is a little bit higher than the floor of spell pierce, but the ceiling is nowhere near the ceiling of spell pierce. Yeah. So like, Yeah. Yeah. When you cast the planeswalker and get it spell pierced, right. Like your life is ruined. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. When you get it quenched, it's like ah, oh, that sucks. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. But my opponent spent two mana on that, right. which is like a you know real investment instead yeah. of you know, they had an extra mana right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, probably, like, speculative at this point. Yeah, it's probably a it will, it will see play. It, you know, people sure will it play will. this card. It will, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. Yeah, they might not be correct to play this card. Right. It's just, like, maybe most of the time people play it, they just should have Syncopate in their deck.
2: Or yeah. Spell Pierce. It's, like, between those two cards. Right,
0: right. Yeah, 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 for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and ma- this is just the, like, I'm not willing to make a call on yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Alright, next we've got Shimmer of Possibility. This is one and a blue for a sorcery. Look at the top four cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Impulse! How far we've fallen! <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Anticipate is not very good, and that's an instant, and looks at one fewer card. This probably just doesn't see any play. I mean, right now in the, the uh,
2: Turbo Fog deck, and I, yeah. granted it will go and undergo a lot of changes, but People play discovery with minimal way to cast. Yeah, I guess that's true. That only takes
0: two cards. This takes four at the same speed. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I didn't really think about comparing it to discovery because I've mostly been playing discovery in decks that care about as a way to dump it in the, the graveyard. graveyard. Exactly. Right. Um, uh, but if you're just looking for
2: a specific card, like Next, really deep. Tape, it goes really far. Yeah. Not quite as far as the five mana card we talked about earlier, but this one's yeah. only two mana. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's very true. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty down to speculate on this one as a as a role player. Sure. Um, where uh, in a very specific like combo e archetype, like taking turns, I think that it could be um, could be a, a real card. The sure. the one problem that I see with it is if we're in the green version with wilderness reclamation. Um, playing it over, like, any instant speed version of this sort of effect might be not the greatest, but you can certainly fit some sorceries in your deck if they're strong enough. And, and like, honestly, you still might want to play Discovery Dispersal
2: just because Dispersal is an instant. Right, true. You can just throw a black land in your deck or you have Gift of Paradise
0: already if you're playing it. We have a lot of cantrips in Standard, and just so whichever one... Two mana cantrips. (laughs) Yeah. Whichever two mana cantrips fulfill your goals for your deck, like, they are there. They exist. For sure. Oh, wait, I forgot one thing about Terramander. Speaking of, many- <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that really makes me kind of want to try it in standard is that this is a great enabler for uh, drawing two cards and not discarding a card with Chart of Course, even in a deck that's not oh, as okay. hyper, like, you know, and this also might fit into Mono Blue Aggro, um, but you can play this in a deck that's not as hyper focused on that and still run Charter Course and get a lot of value out of it. Maybe as, so. like, another Miscloak Herald. Yeah. Or so instead of, even. I think probably instead of Miscloak Herald in that deck, but also you could run this in a less, like, all-in sort of thing that also wants to run Charter Course. So that's that's something that I kind of like about that. Uh, our last blue card, um, I find this card borderline impossible to evaluate. Yeah, right. <laughs> agreed. Is, this is Sphinx of Foresight. Two and two blue for a 4-4 four, four Sphinx. You may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do scry three at the beginning of your first upkeep, uh, it also it's a four four flyer uh, at the beginning of your upkeep. Scry one. I don't know, man. You know the coolest part about this card to me what? is that you, if you're on
2: the draw, you get to see your opponent's entire first turn before you scry. That's nice. Which is really weird because most upkeep or most uh, opening effects. hand yeah. effects don't work like that. But this one's at the beginning of your first upkeep, not the first upkeep. So you, depending on if you're the player draw, you can have like vastly different amounts of information on when you're scrying. that, <laughs> That's that is interesting. That's, That's a good point. I, I
0: hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about this earlier. Uh, it seems to me like the most uh, reasonable application for this card would be an internal format where a deck really, really wants a, like extra. What's the free mulligan card? Serum, oh, serum powders. Yeah, right. If if your deck is playing serum powders and wants more of that effect. Maybe consider a Sphinx as like an additional way to like find stuff. That was like my first like instinct when I read this card. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're capable of beating them with like four cards, but it needs to be very specific. Exactly. Four cards. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so right, so that's that's kind of what I was thinking about for for this one. But outside of that, it seems difficult for this text to be relevant. Other than it's just like a you know. Ooh yay! Look, I get to do this, and there's a card. Uh, you know, I, I would only really be happy about this line of text. Um, currently, if if it's on a card that I'm excited to put in my deck anyway, right. and you're not and hurting for a four four flyer four that you know the the text of the Gooding Group Keeps scry one. It's not nothing, right? But it's not going to push a four four flyer for four over the edge for me in standard. Yeah, I can't imagine this. Season. If it
2: ever sees any play, it'll be in some eternal format doing, doing something, something completely degenerate. Exactly. Yeah. Super bonkers. Yeah, yeah. And that's Yeah, that's
0: pretty much my thoughts, for sure.
2: My turn to read? Sure. Yeah. Go
0: for it. Yeah. Okay.
2: We're doing black now. Yeah. So, we've, our first one is Bankrupt in Blood, which is a 1B sorcery. As an additional cost to play the spell,
0: sacrifice two creatures, and you draw three cards. So you have seen this before at instant speed when you sacrifice one creature to draw two cards. This is kind of going real deep on it, but you know if I'm trying to sacrifice tokens and draw cards, you know this is sort of the the cathartic reunion versus tormenting voice thing, where like right, tormenting voice is not a good card, but cathartic reunion is like pretty breakable. Yeah, um, drawing three cards is a ton. It right. is a lot of cards. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. In a, and in a deck that is uh, actively looking for ways to sacrifice your creatures, then then yeah, this is this is gonna be good for sure. I think that's a good point, Chris. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I for me, I think it's more of a speculative thing on like we'll find out if that is a, a real thing in these aristocrats sacrifice style decks. Um, but and there, we may be more wanting to sacrifice our creatures to stuff like Priest of the Forgotten Gods, which we're yeah, talking yeah, about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I do think it's a little awkward that this is stepping in the same place as Priest of the Forgotten Gods while also not being a creature.
0: Yeah, so that's big. That's really big. You yeah. can
2: sacrifice Priest of the Forgotten Gods. You can't sacrifice it to herself. You can sacrifice it to other creatures or other priests. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Bankrupt in Blood, you can't sacrifice it to anything. It's a spell. Yep.
0: Yeah, true. That's fair. And it is an additional cost, so, you know, if you get this thing countered, Quenched. yeah, then that's <laughs> potentially right. pretty bad. That would be a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> they found the use for quench, they gotcha. Right. right, but, yeah, so, so I, like, I'm pretty speculative on this, but the power, the payoff is very high, so I, I can see how, you know, maybe you just want this to be your Priest of the Forgotten Gods 5 and 6, or something like that. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Um.
2: So, pretty much a role player. Yeah. Alright, the next card we have is Cry of the Carnarium, which is a 1 BB sorcery. All creatures get minus 2, minus 2 until end of turn. Exile all creature cards in all graveyards that were put there from the battlefield this turn. And if a creature would die this turn, exile it instead. It's a weird, like, extra exiling going on. It's but... kind of like Flaying Tendrils from Battle for Zendikar, I believe, where... It gives everything minus two, minus two, and then exiles it, mm-hmm. but it also exiles things that were put it there before, before it was
0: cast. Right. Ultimately, for most purposes, though, this is just an infest with a little extra upside. Right, you, yeah. you know, Exiles when that's important. You can mausoleum secrets for it in Dylan's Death Shadow deck. <laughs> yeah,
2: you couldn't do that with you flying tendrils. You couldn't do that with
0: flying tendrils. That's and exiling is
2: sure. always the most important effect for these kind of board wipes. True especially if people are trying to do
0: aristocrats with afterlife. That's a pretty big deal I would say. this yeah. card seems pretty lights out against these aristocrats decks we keep building in our head absolutely. <laughs> yeah I yeah honestly I think that um, this this card will see play uh, in some context. I, these kinds these kinds of cards always do in standard yeah. because there's generally just always some sort of you know go wide strategy that, that it's going to be good against
2: Well let me ask you how often that you cast golden demise and then the ascend actually matters. Ever?
0: Rarely. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, if it's in your green-black sideboard, you don't want to kill your random dorks that you have floating around. But, like, only in this, like, really, really late-game scenario where it probably wouldn't have mattered anyways. Yeah. Whereas um, the exiling thing is just huge. Yeah. It yeah. never, I guess, to answer that, it never makes the difference. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and if we look at, like, the next several black cards that we're going to talk about, like, exiling just matters so much on this card. <laughs> yeah. So, right. For sure. Um, Easy, easy, solid role-player. Like, you're gonna see this card. Yeah, yeah. Standard. yeah, Cry of the Carnarium, is, it's gonna see play. Um, It's gonna be important.
2: Next card is Drillbit, which is a 2B sorcery with Spectacle for a B. And Spectacle is you can cast the spell for its Spectacle cost rather than its mana cost if an opponent has lost life this turn. And what Dribble does is that target player reveals their hand, you choose an online card from it, and that player discards that card. So it's a coercion with Spectacle for B. So not a Thoughtseize. Not it Sometimes a thought-seize. gets cast for two and a black. <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> right, right. It yeah. is not a Thoughtseize that is sometimes a three-mana card. It is a three-mana card that <laughs> is sometimes a Thoughtseize. <laughs> I, I agree. Because
0: the types of decks that really want Spectacle... Or that easily turn on spectacle are not going to be the types of decks that want this effect all the time. Yeah. Like you put a bolt and you put spectacle on it, that's great because you obviously want bolts right. in your decks that. Can and you want to damage them. And right. you want to damage them. So fantastic. This coercion effect, though, you know, it seems like more of a post board sort of thing. And like, are, do we just want duress over this right. when we're doing that? Right.
2: It competes directly against duress, which. In order for this card to be better than Duress, you have to A, be wanting to hit them the turn you cast Duress, so it only costs one mana, and B, you want to take a creature.
1: Yeah.
2: If you're not taking a creature, you should just play Duress. and I I don't know what deck wants to hit them and also wants to take creatures at that
0: stage of the game, which is kind of... Well, the the thing that I I kind of would see it being the option that you want is post-board against control decks when they've sided into Lyra Dawnbringer type of cards. And this gives okay. you an extra out against Lyra Dawnbringer. But mostly I'm happy to duress them. Right. Especially because like you got to take their Settle the Wreckage pre-combat. Do you really want to spend three mana to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Probably not. Right. I was going to say, I think this card has two main things going against it. And one of the things is the subtle the Wreckage thing that you mentioned is mm-hmm. that Yeah, and you really want to do that pre-combat to get their settles. Um, And, you know, if you're putting them in a position where you're going to be able to get their settle and kill them, that's fine. (laughs) So that's, you know, that's not terrible. But the other thing that this has going against it is that um, I think that against control decks, control decks are going to be the decks that have the best, the easiest time preventing the Spectacle deck from being able to turn on Spectacle. Right? And and, and that is the scenario in which you're most likely going to want these cards, is against those control decks. Mm -hmm. But they're gonna be better at turning off your spectacles. So you might even you know, I, I would expect the spectacle decks to be boarding out some number of their like heavy spectacle cards against the control decks anyways. So I'm not really wanting to bring in my dedicated, you know, control hate card and have in, it and have it be a spectacle card. That makes right? sense to me. Um, so du- yeah, I in my mind I would be much more excited about a dress effect against you know, in that slot. And we don't need to improve our duresses by making them higher variants, because duresses are some of the best sideboard cards in standard duresses anyways. Very good. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: All right, next card we have Orzhov Enforcer, which is a one B one two human rogue. It has Death Touch and Afterlife One. So when it dies you get a one one white and black spirit with flying.
0: So this is a pretty, you know, unexciting card, but it's two bodies. The first body kills any creature that it fights. Mm-hmm. I, and I think, you know, when your board consists of like a bunch of tiny dudes, the way that these decks tend to... Um, having one dude that's just like, yeah, attack me with this 6-6, I don't care, I will trade for it, and then leave behind a body. Yeah. Uh, to me, this card feels better than, like, the black-white 2-1 Vigilance Afterlife in Constructed. Yeah, that or, makes sense. Or Limited, as well. Like, it just does more.
2: This card also is a sneaky spectacle enabler. If your sure. opponent's not willing to block it, it yeah. can get in for a good yeah, one. Yeah,
0: that's a good point, for sure. And
2: also, if it dies, if they do block it, it keeps you get getting a flyer. In right. So...
0: Yeah. You know, more more speculative cards. Yeah, I mean, I um, I dig this card. I uh, it's
2: uh, not super I powerful. No, of course.
0: I but I do think that it's one of the better creatures that die into another creature that mm-hmm. you can have access to right now. Yeah, because right. the the front half is worth a whole card. Yeah. Like as yeah, long yeah, as your yeah, opponent sure. has creatures. Yeah, so much more excited to play this one than Tithe Taker, for example. <laughs> right, I agree. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I would expect this to see a reasonable amount of play. I I'd, I'd be surprised if this doesn't actually. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be predicated on how much they uh, that black white deck ends up being popular. Right. It's going to be dependent on how popular this card is, and and how many Cry of the Carnariums people are sideboarding. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. One <laughs> for thing sure. the
2: uh, the gold version I don't right. remember what the card's called. Uh, the the two one for white B that has Afterlife. Yeah, uh, that is a gold card, so it does trigger Hero of Prerequisite.
0: True, one, that's a good point. Which is not nothing. No, it's it's definitely a thing for sure. Right. But boy. The more I'm thinking about all of these cards together on a board, and cry the carnarium it's ca- coming so out of many creatures, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and just like getting them all exiled is not good.
2: No, it's
0: um, a bad day. Yep, and, and this guy, this next card falls prey to that as well. Yeah, it's Gutterbones, uh, a black
2: two-one skeleton warrior that comes into play tapped or enters the battlefield tapped, uh, and you can pay one and a black to return Gutterbones from your graveyard to your hand. You can only activate this ability during your turn, and only if an opponent has lost life this turn.
0: I I like this card. I think this card is going to be, um, you know, definitely a role player in the uh, in a in a black based aggressive mm-hmm. strategy. Um, so the you know the Rakdos archetype I think is really going to want um, two power one drops to be successful, and this really just fits the bill for that. In my mind, the 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 most successful aggressive decks in standard really require you to have one drops that can deal more than one damage. Yeah. So and we now black specific. decks have two different ones because yeah. they have uh, digraph, ghoul, digraph ghoul, digraph yeah. ghoul as yeah. well. Digraph ghoul. Um. And then isn't there like a pirate or something that's still around? There's mm-hmm.
2: vicious conquistador, which is a one two that when it attacks it hits them for one. Um.
0: That's like. And there, there's there's the there's grasping scoundrel that gets plus one plus zero while attacking. Okay, yeah, so I mean like, are all like fine. There's a handful of they drop mediocre off, two, right. two power but black creatures. This <laughs> one is better than Gutter Bones is the best of all. those. Yeah. Yes. So that I mean that definitely pushes it into the the realm of possibility that's gonna see play in standard. So. And and the bridge, you know, it's it it seems like it's well suited for those black aggressive decks. Also pretty good in potentially an aristocrat-style deck. I mean, maybe we're mostly skipping turn one in those decks or only casting Hunted Witness, um, but this can do something like that. It's also just really good with Judith. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's a non-token creature, so sorry sorry to steal your thunder here. No. <laughs> but making this a 3-1 means that it keeps attacking for real damage. Yeah. Every time it dies, you get a ping out of it.
2: And, and because you ping, you can bring it back. You can just bring it right back,
0: yeah. Yeah, definitely belongs in a Judith
2: Thick in my mind. Yeah, for sure. So yep. Yeah, this this card's going to see a lot of play, I yeah. imagine. For sure. <clears throat> Next card we have is Priest of the Forgotten God, which is a 1b1-2, human cleric. Uh, you can tap her and sacrifice two other creatures and any number of target players each lose two life and sacrifice a creature. You add black, black to your mana, pull, and draw
0: a card. Okay, so you get four things out of this. <laughs> yes. You, you get so, an Edict, you get you shock their face, um, you get two black mana, and you draw a card, all for sacrificing. So if we've set this up, like, we're getting oh, it, a ton out of this. It's a really good payoff for a deck that can support it. Yeah, if an Aristocrats deck exists, it's because of this card, I think. it does. This is the one sacrifice effect that doesn't cost any mana to use which is important mm-hmm. it gives you mana back mm-hmm.
2: um it, it kind of ramps you too like you you, yeah. go, you go up to five mana. i don't know what board you'll have multiple creatures on turn three uh and be able to activate this but if you do somehow
0: well you well go up okay to five on it doesn't it doesn't like just play fun. gutter bones turn one play a priest turn two Turn three, you can play any of your Aristocrat's creatures, sacrifice the Gutter Bones and the creature. It's ramping you. You can just, if you don't have something to ramp into, you can just get back the Gutter Bones because the, uh, the priest oh, you the mana. Them. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you the mana for the Gutter Bones and it triggers Spectacle too. Yeah. So this is. It's got a lot of things going for it.
2: This also might not matter, but it's weird. Most black cards now deal damage instead of lose life. This one loses life, so it does work against Angel of Grace. Ooh. Oh, there we
0: go. Perfect yeah. card. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Priest of the Forgotten Gods is like, easy C, and maybe even better than that. Yeah. I, I love it, this card. It's definitely at least a C, but yeah. if, if this uh,
2: Sacrifice deck is good, it's because of this card. agree. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense to me. And next we've got Spawn of Mayhem, a 2BB4-4 4, 4 demon with Flying and Trample. Flample. It also has Spectacle 1 BB, so you can cast it for 1 BB if they've lost life. And at the beginning of your upkeep, Spawn of Mayhem deals 1 damage to each player. Then if you have 10 or less life, put a plus or 1 counter on Spawn of Mayhem.
0: This card seems very strong to me. I think that uh, in that Spectacle deck that is also running Judith, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, I think that a, th- a 3 mana, effectively 4 power, or 5 powered even, uh, right. Flyer with Trample is, is going to be... Uh, you know a, a good playable card in that archetype and it doesn't even get turned off you know later if your opponent has like stopped you and you're not able to deal damage anymore mm-hmm. like then just play it for four and that's yeah not, right that's four, fine yeah it's 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 not it's maybe even still a little under for its effect at yeah. four mana because right? that ping and, each turn is really important Yeah, and the fact that you can potentially play it on turn three really in my mind pushes it into a very very strong card
2: yep you don't even need to be that dedicated into turning on spectacle with it yeah. oh. A lot of games I play against Golgari mid range. They yeah. play like a Murfolk branchworker on the play, and I just don't have a two drop, so yeah. they hit me with it. And now they can play a Demon. Right. right? Yeah. That's <laughs> right. Uh,
0: excellent. Great. If you're on the play, you know you just like play two drop, and then your opponent they're like they got two mana. You need to have something, or else the, it's just gonna be a bad time for you. Um, right. Their their control deck and their plan for your early creatures is to cast a Definite Clarion. Yeah. yeah this yeah. card is fantastic against that strategy. Big <laughs> Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think that this is a this is a B in my mind. I think so. It's just Ooh. really pushed. Yeah, I think it is really pushed, um, and I think that it is it it's potentially one of the cards that's going to turn that aggressive archetype into a very real powerhouse standard. It the only thing keeping it back is that. In general, a lot of times these like black aggressive decks that look like they're going to be a thing at the beginning of a standard format just end up not being a thing because black isn't actually that good at pushing damage and stuff. Yeah. I don't think that's true with the cards we've gotten this set. But we're pairing with red now. Yeah. Which right. is very nice. We have
2: Judith. Yeah. And Judith we're just going <laughs> to put this in a
0: deck with four Judiths in it. Right. And it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, our mana's great. I think that we can pretty easily support. Um, Double black uh, and other color yeah, we want to play oh, with it. One black, black card. So. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, we're, people are planning on playing Bedevil pretty consistently, so sure. Um, I, uh, I don't really see this one being as a, as big of a problem. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally down for this card. I think it's going to be a, a powerful one in, okay. in the upcoming. Pick space. them up. I don't know. You know, maybe we should have like looked up a price list and like given some <laughs> buy sell recommendations. But <laughs> this yeah. is this is our highest rated card so far. I think. Um. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. We, we might be totally wrong, about, and like that Flash Angel is just way better than this card, but... Uh, I, I'm, hey, I'm all about the Flash Angel. Yeah, Lee, Lee <laughs> likes the Flash Angel. I'm a little more skeptical of it. I want to play I'm 3 made the, mana
2: for my big flyer. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't live in this fantasy world. <laughs> Where we hit okay. our
0: opponent and cast a spell. Yeah, that's just crazy. Impossible. <laughs> Alright, well now we're going to look at the red cards, and... Uh, <laughs> we might, we might all think this yeah. is possible. <laughs> oh, here we go! Yeah. Oh man, you put red and black right next to each other. <laughs> Let's, we're now we're just going to be Bru- Bruin Rakto, all the rest of the <laughs> Magic put red and black yeah. right next to uh, each other. Okay. Fair. The first one is electro dominance. So this is the X red red uh instant. Electro dominance deals X damage to any target, you may cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. I anticipate only ever casting this card with X equals zero. <laughs> yeah. Really? I mean um, maybe it, well in, <laughs> per, I, I anticipate I, I casting it with X equals zero. Like, I'm putting it in my deck intending to cast it with sure. X equals 0. And then, yes, it has additional right. utility. It just has really bothered me. Like, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts and stuff lately talking about Spoiler Cards. And they spend all this time talking about, well, what, what about electric dominance and Standard? Like, what if you're actually just casting a 3-drop with it? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I'm casting Restore Balance or Living End or Wheel of Fortune <laughs> or maybe Ancestral Vision. But that one's not really good. <laughs> like, like yeah. this is this is a combo card for modern and that and it's really good at that job. It's yeah, yeah. two mana. It's an instant. It doesn't need a target to do it. It's the best way to cast these time spiral cards that there is.
2: In, in. the simian spirit guy color, no
0: less. In the simian spirit guy color. In the faithless looting color. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, uh, I was thinking about it, and if there's like a Goryeo's Vengeance deck mm-hmm. that plays, you know, just uh, some fatties. Some fatties to, uh, well, I wasn't thinking about going that. But <laughs> some fatties to discard, Goryeo's Vengeance, and also um, just having this plus Living in being like your other way yeah. of doing that effect. Your backup sure. combo, um, right? It's it's just you know, it's it's like it's kind of tough because you have to combo with it with another specific card in your deck. So it's not like another pure Goryo's Vengeance, but it's 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 just more of that effect. And I think that more of that effect gives that kind of deck a lot more consistency. Well, and I think it's very likely in a deck like that you also have a couple of wheels of fate in your deck, so you Mm -hmm. can just combo it with the wheel of fate. You don't want your Electrodominance to just be completely dependent on drawing by the end. I think. But, you know, there's also the one in a black, search your library for... Mausoleum uh, Secrets. Yeah, Mausoleum Secrets. Yeah. They can always get Living End. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. true. That's true. Yep. So, so like that card could add consistency back into yep. um, that kind of deck as well. And so. the the redundancy between Electrodominance and As Foretold um, makes me, you know, also want to think about blue red decks. Something like. Um, I really like the idea of a blue red as for told Electrodominance Dominance Living End deck that uh it's trying to Living End back Kiki Jiki and Deceiver Exarch. And then your backup plan is, oh you you drew your graveyard hate in this sideboard game, I'm gonna play a Deceiver Exarch and then Kiki Jiki. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um so yeah, I, that's fair. Which is kinda cool
2: too, with As for Told if you take it up, the, the cards get yeah. free even if they're not living end. Yeah, exactly. So Which I'm, kind of alleviates the this, these cards cost way too much mana to be comboing
0: together. Okay. Right, right, right. So I, I looked up rulings, and I'm pretty sure at this point that you cannot elect your dominance to kill their meddling mage and then cast your living end off of the electrodominance. No, that can't. does That does not work. So that's a little sad because it would be um, real
2: cool if it did. The, the reason it doesn't work is because it's damage-based. Like, the melee mage is still in play. It'll, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll exist in
0: the battlefield we don't, um, with 2 damage on it until right. this spell is fully resolved. We don't get to cap- check state-based effects until the living end is put onto the stack. So. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just real down to brew with this card in in modern, I don't care about it in standard.
2: Not gonna give it an offside chance to Wilderness Reclamation caring about this card at all? See, I
0: just don't even care if that's a thing that happens in standard. Yeah, I don't not... I
2: don't even think it's very good in that deck because right. it, that's just like not really the end game. You don't really want a fireball to enable your Mana thing to produce more mana. That just seems like a really weird, <laughs> like a too many steps process of getting to the same result.
0: Right. And electrodominance seems very bad in like early to mid game until you're like very set up and right like yeah. that. And yeah. that's not the tool. That's not a tool that I want in that deck. Right. So yeah, I mean, I think that we're pretty pumped about this card in internal formats. Uh, in terms of standard though. I think that it's it's a fine card. I mean, you know, it's it's like a fireball-ish card. It's just not something I would be excited to put in my deck. So yeah. I and for that reason I'm kind of off it there. Agree. Yeah. yeah.
2: It being an instant's pretty cool in standard. Yeah, so that, that's a little specifically more
0: specifically for with wilderness reclamation. Well,
2: not. I don't think specifically for that because if people do just want a fireball effect for whatever reason sometimes mm-hmm. they see play like Devil's Play. That that, that one was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it being is it's, like, pretty good in a world where people are trying to tap out on their turn and then untap
0: their lands to be safe. And the one play pattern, and it pains me to admit, the one play pattern of, like, using this as a fair thing that sounds really good to me is they attack and you elect your dominance and put a Goblin Chain Whirler into play. (laughs) Because then you're just, like, dealing four to a guy... Dealing three to a guy or dealing one to a guy with the goblin chain trigger and then blocking with a three three first strike and yeah. dealing one to their... So that actually does sound I mean I'd good, get blown good. out by it the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. I would, that's, I would that's, just shake that's my ball. All out. I will say about <laughs> your dominance with X equals like more than zero <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> sure, sure, fair. All right. So next up we've got Goblin Gathering. So this is uh, two in a red. For a uh, sorcery, it says create a number of one one red goblin creature tokens equal to two plus the number of cards named Goblin Gathering in your graveyard. Okay, this card's bad. This card is not playable. The for... only reason it's so close to being horribly outburst. It's like <laughs> I it, know it makes like two point something goblins.
2: <laughs> Can you break down how many goblins this card actually makes?
0: um not very many well two. not as
2: many as some people okay, the first copy three. Makes two
0: then three uh-huh wow. oh yeah and then four <laughs> it never makes eight goblins though um <laughs> we really have to work for holding operas that is yeah yeah
2: for
1: sure
0: the no, only reason hard. that it's kind of sort of maybe playable is that it is pretty good with like jaya ballard if jaya ballard were a thing i don't like this the only reason that I mentioned this is because when we looked at Jaya Ballard and w- the set review, we said, This card's unplayable. I was really hoping that we get a Hordling Outburst to go with her. <laughs> right, right, right. So right, now right. you feel inclined to mention this. Yeah, great. They, <laughs> they,
2: they tried. We'll give them they a tried. A, S- a it's safer. not going to work. Okay. Yeah. Wizards <laughs> heard that podcast and they said, We
0: well, you know what Chris needs. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, and yeah. then they just didn't give it to us. <laughs> but that's okay because this keeps me from trying to put Jaya Ballard in <laughs> any of my tests. So that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, this card's not good. This is an F. Next up, we've got Light Up the Stage. So this is tuna red for a sorcery that has spectacle for just a single red. It says, exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn. Uh, And I read that slowly on purpose because it's (laughs) tricky. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. So this card is interesting. It's really hard to evaluate for me because... Uh, I don't think a card similar to this has ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, a card similar to this have existed, but until your next turn, you have so long to be yeah. able to cast those cards. Even like, if you flip two lands, you get to play both. You of get to play both. Yeah, like yeah. The, the
2: closest analog this, to this card was, oh god, I can't remember the name of it. It was this Impulse Chandra card where it was three mana, exile three, but you can only cast them that turn.
0: Yeah, yeah. This
2: yeah. one is kind of like that. You get two, you cast them that turn. You can cast them the next turn too, right. which is yeah, I think that's really a, huge cool. yeah, in my mind. a huge difference. Yeah, it is a huge difference.
0: I think so. Yeah, um, and we haven't even touched on the spectacle cost, which right. is one. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a single red. Yeah, I think this card's great. Um, yeah, I I do I do like this card. I think that it is a potential a potentially a mana or sorry a card advantage card for an archetype that could facilitate this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm you know I I don't know whether or not I'm going to put this in my initial builds of just like that spectacle. Uh, aggressive deck it it might just belong there it might just be powerful enough to mm-hmm. be a, a one mana draw to and that you know and that's just good enough to play in any deck if you can the, um the place where i most want to play it is in more of a burn deck rather than okay. just a straight up aggro deck yeah, because yeah. your cards are basically interchangeable at that point and you just want more of them once they're all lightning strikes and lightning strike variants <laughs> that's um fair. and i think paying one mana to turn that into two of those, you know, or, you know, just dig you two deeper, I think that's quite good.
2: I think this card also shines a little bit more if you're not pairing it with black, because there's a s- similar card in red-black, mm-hmm. we'll talk about later, it's a Theater of Horrors I believe it's called. The Enchantment, yeah. Yeah, it, it lets you play multiple cards a turn if you damage them, uh, which this card also does.
0: Right, so it might uh, be a little redundant But this. that that one works every turn instead yeah, of just yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. having to set it up. Yep, that's fair. But I, I do, you know, if we're just trying to build a pure burn deck in standard, I, this is, we have a lot of options for, like, card advantage things in red between Light of the Stage, Flame of Keld, uh this Rixmati Reveler card we're going to talk about next. Experimental frenzy. Risk Factor, Experimental Frenzy, like, Whatever way, weird way you want to draw cards in red, there's like a bunch of options for. It. And I I think this is a pretty good one, especially if you're more of a pure burn strategy. I need the cards now because I'm going to kill you with them. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, cards now is is uh definitely value over cards later. Okay. That, that that shouldn't be overlooked for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think people are starting to discover the cost of cards like Mishra's Bobble and, and Seal Visions. So yes. uh, <laughs> those costs are very real, and it's kind of hard to quantify because we like uh, evaluating all these cards in a like, kind of vacuum. Yeah, like pure, c- raw credit right. advantage. It's worth a card, you yeah. say, when you look at Mistress Bauble for free. and but I've looked at
2: a lot of opening hands with Mishra's Bauble where I would like to keep it, but you, I don't right. know what Mishra's Bauble <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Alright, so next up we have uh, Rick's Maddie Reveler. So it's a 2-mana 2-2 that has, interestingly, a Spectacle cost that costs more than its mana cost. It has Spectacle for 2, a black, and a red. When Rick's Maddie Reveler enters the battlefield, discard a card, then draw a card. If Rick's Maddie Maddie Reveler's Spectacle cost was paid, instead discard your hand and draw 3 cards. So, Bedlam Reveler-esque Esk? kind of deal, um, I, I really like this card, Okay. Um, I think that just the regular text of the 2-mana two 2-2 two two that um, rummages is strong, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ability to be able to potentially draw 3 cards with this late game is very, very strong. We know how much Bedlam Reveler can impact a game, right? So I think that this is going to be a very significant role-player in these Raktos Aggressive uh, Spectacle decks. Yeah, sure, sure. sure. If if
2: mono Red is a thing, where people just want to jam a bunch of burn spells, mm-hmm. you could even play some Dragon schools with some Blood Crypts, and you might backdoor your way into a Bedlam Reveler Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, honestly, it kind of seems worth to, to have that
2: yeah, opportunity. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And um, I, I think the, the burn deck is sort of leaning towards being, like, kind of full-on Rakdos anyways. Well, you, you have options. Yeah, even you if just it have isn't. a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And, and like, if, if we're a pure burn deck, we probably want that drain 3 for 2. Oh, Sovereign bite? bite. So, I, I don't know if that's a playable card, but it's been, like, kind of scary. Some, someone will play it. Someone will test it. I mean, honestly, sometimes, playing, like, Arena or whatever, I get I play against the black-red deck with terrible mana, and it's very scary, because they're interacting on an axis that I am not interacting on, yeah. and sovereign's bite is, like, a... a a part of that. They just start throwing burn
2: spells in your hand and you look at your dive
0: downs well yeah, no. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that we are pretty close to having a uh, very viable pure burn strategy in like, standard. Like, um, it's been such a long time. Since yeah, had and, and I believe that this is going to be a part of that. So, yeah, I think this might be close to a B in my in my okay. opinion. Yeah. I I, I, I value this card very highly. It's such an efficient body too. It's not a yeah.
2: two one. It's a two two. Right. If you have no cards in your hand when you play it, you still get to draw a card. You don't have to discard a
0: card. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. There, there are a lot of really good play patterns with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And also, you know, he's juggling three skulls, which are the three cards that you draw <laughs> when you spectacle it. Yeah. So I really appreciate that as well. Yeah, I, I believe there's a fourth score right there off frames. So I, I don't know. I all... think that's just some fire trail. <laughs> yeah, um, right. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, interestingly, the two only bees that we've caught so far have been in the spectacle deck. So that's, that's Ooh, a yeah. consideration. Huh. Yeah, um, you know, true. Something to think about. By now. Uh, right. <laughs> this guy's only a rare. He'll be right. fine. Probably. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to some A's later, and they're oh, yeah. they're not. They active. are. <laughs> yeah. and they are gnarly. <laughs> and they are pretty gnarly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we've got next up. We've got uh, Skargon Hellkite. So this is a uh, five mana four four flyer. Uh, three red red. It has Riot. So Riot essentially says this creature enters the battlefield with your choice of a plus one plus one counter or haste. It, the other text on it is, it's got three and a red. Skargon Hellkite deals two damage, divided as you choose among one or two targets. Activate this ability only if Skargon Hellkite has a plus one, plus one counter on it. So, this card's interesting. It's, it's uh, you know, it's kind of like one of the marquee dragons of the set. You know, we, we're always excited to see some sort of uh, hasty slash big five mana dragon. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one has some unique text that makes it interesting. And also the option between making it a 5-5 and giving it haste is strong. Right. Like, you don't have to have it be vulnerable to Lava Coil yeah. if you don't want to. Right. And then, you know, there there could be potentially matchups where its activated ability becomes relevant, where you really want to be able to clean up some stuff. Sure. Um, it can hit planeswalkers and players, right? It's just any targets you want. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Now with the new rules, you can even deal one to your planeswalker and, and one, one to you. yes yeah. You know, a, a play pattern that we've always dreamed of <laughs> <laughs> with our art trails. Or yeah. yeah right. So that's always nice. So yeah, I mean, this card, it it seems it's strong, no glory bringer, but it's. It comparing it to the previous iterations, yeah, it's it's definitely significantly weaker. But I think it's a little closer to where we want our five mana dragons. Yeah, that's fair. Be... What do you guys think
2: about comparing this to demanding dragon, which is a five mana five five yeah. where they have to choose to
0: sack a creature or they take five? Um, I think that this one is better than demanding dragon because of the option paste? Uh, yeah, because of the option paste. I don't know. It's
2: right, let me let me throw a wrinkle out of that. Okay, what if you have Rhythm of the Wild, which gives your cards Riot, yeah, is a five-five Hasty. This guy better than a five-five hasty, hasty. No, no, no.
0: Yeah, right. Hasty Demanding Dragon. Right, right. It's, it's really hard not. to yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's that's tough to evaluate. Right. Once you give the Demanding Dragon haste, then it becomes like its real. ability changes dramatically. Right, but true. But but now we're trying to compare a standalone card with a card combined with another card, and that kind of
2: compares yeah, to teams. yeah, that's that's true.
0: So yeah. yeah. I'm not sold on this card. I'm not really even particularly excited about it in any context in standard. So But it is one of those cards that like kind of regardless of board situation, there's a choice you can make that will be fine. Yeah. And that often leads to playability. Right. Yes. For sure. It it could it could end up being like, you know, in a in a big red deck. For example.
2: To to me, it just feels very similar to Demanding Dragon. Just one of those cards you have to know exists. It synergizes with Sarkin Fireblood. Right. Sure. And you can reach for it in your binder if that's if you want
0: a dragon. Yeah. And it's just much it's just much better against small creatures than Demanding Dragon yeah, is sure. So, you know it's fine i mean, i'm not saying Domaining dragon
2: is better or worse right than right, card. right
0: i'm just saying it's it's it it's at the same slot with around yeah. the same power agreed i agree yeah so it's like kind of speculative i would yeah. be surprised if this doesn't see some play especially like i want to play Sarkin. like <laughs> sure yeah and this this may be a good outlet for it once you're like using that mana Sarkin becomes actually a, a pretty powerful planeswalker true sure. true sure. um it's just so hard to
2: find a role this card to fill, I can't
0: imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah being it's, that widely played.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Same. Yeah.
0: Next up we've got a card I suspect to see significantly more play. Yeah. Uh, this is uh Skewer of the Critics. So it's two and a red for a, a a a sorcery speed bolt, essentially. Skewer of the critics deals three damage to any target. But the kicker is that it's got a spectacle for just a single red. And with that, we get a new like, four of in Modern Burn. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. So this card seems very, very strong in Modern Burn. You know, we've been wanting to get Shard Volley out of our deck for a long time. Yeah. Uh, this is better <laughs> so, than several main deck cards. Like yeah. I, if yeah, I yeah. if I were still running, like, like whatever. Lightning Helix? Yeah, I mean. In- burn? I guess if we never play a Mirror. Right. Fine. <laughs> but, but, like, like honestly, like, Riftbolt Bolt, Shard Volley, main deck Skullcrack. Like, I prefer this to all of those. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, Rift Bolt
2: is it, this combos with Rift This bolt. combos,
0: it does combo, so you can get it off of one land. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair, yeah. fair. Uh, yeah, but I mean, pretty. I think honestly, pretty easy to go into modern burn. Yeah. Um. Uh, and then also, you know, we've been talking about how there could potentially be a dedicated burn deck in standard. And this is a face bolt. This is going to be one of the better cards in that deck. Yep. Um. So yeah, I think this is going to be a, a potentially a B. Yeah, easily a B, I yeah. I would say. Um, and then whatever, like, it is a main card in Burn means for its modern grade. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this card, I'm, and I'm happy that they decided to, uh, you know, include a card like this. Yeah, yeah. I
2: think it's super fair, too, as a sorcery. Yeah, right. it's
0: a sorcery, it's, yeah. you know, it's not, there's it's not no, broken there's by no, any contract. There's context.
2: no tricky modern things, like, crack a fetch line, and you just get them. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: exactly. For sure. And it doesn't do that thing that putting actual Lightning Bolt in standard does, which is, like, make... It's a four-of it, four in every red deck. Right. It's a four-of, and, like, three mana creatures are now unplayable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this doesn't do that, and so I appreciate that amount of design effort.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, and then uh, next up we've got a uh, Tin Street Dodger. So this is a uh, one-mana, one-one goblin rogue with haste, and it has uh, an activated ability, spend a red to uh, give Tin Street Dodger, uh, can't be blocked this turn except by creatures with Defender. So this card is interesting. It's a 1-mana, one 1-1 one, one haste. Um, but the, the reason that I think that we're talking about this is that it's kind of a spectacle enabler. Mm-hmm. You can have your creature and then be able to just spend a red to get in for one and mm-hmm. then do your spectacle thing. That seems pretty reasonable to me. It might be true that we have better enablers, or we don't need any enablers, and I think those both both of those scenarios are very real possibilities. Mm-hmm. But if it turns out that we do need something to really make sure that we're turning on our spectacle, this could be something in those slots. Yeah, so seems it's fine. Good. It's also
2: a goblin, which might not matter that much, but Siege Game grander exists. Yeah. yeah, you know, we're we're kind of getting up there
0: on number of goblins in standard, so definitely something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Yeah, but no um, more than speculative. No, yeah, no, it's no. a D for sure. No. Yeah, moving on to the good color. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a green, which just green. Um, and I think I, I'm am a little afraid that the power of these green cards, and since a lot of it is locked up in creatures, is just gonna really encourage uh, day day zero like turbo fog decks
1: because <laughs> yeah. most
0: of these green creatures cannot deal with a turbo fog deck. Right. But there's a bunch of cool stuff here. Biogenic Ooze is not necessarily one of the ones that I've been flipping out about, but uh, this is... But I do believe it. it's pretty strong. Yeah, it, it does kind of seem like it. Uh, it's 3 and 2 green for a 2-2 Ooze. When Biogenic Ooze enters the battlefield, create a 2-2 green Ooze creature token. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on each Ooze you control and 1 green, 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 so 4 mana total, create a 2-2 two, two green Ooze creature token. This is. It starts out as Crested Herd Caller and then gets bigger without any mana investment and gets a lot bigger with a, with some more mana investment. Yeah, yeah I, I think this card is very strong, and I, I I kind of expect it to see play in the early iterations of these green decks at least. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not it translates into staying in those green decks once they get tuned is kind of going to be format dependent in my mind. Um, there are no other standard playable oozes. Right, it can't be a lord for any I of the cards. I don't believe. I don't so. think there are any standard yeah. legal oozes. Okay. Um, I know there's at least one other standard legal ooze, but it's not playable. What's the <laughs> What's the standard legal ooze? It's the of... slime from Dominaria that eats equipment.
2: Oh, corrosive. Ooze. Corrosive
0: ooze, yeah. It's not a slime. Yeah, though. we're not. <laughs> we're not playing that one. No, we are not playing that one. But. You know, if scavenging ooze were in standard or I something think we like know. that. <laughs> yeah, but if, if there were something along <laughs> it. But yeah, no, this is not a lord for anything else. It's just a standalone pile of stats.
2: Well, prime speaker uh, Xanaphyr is an ooze. Oh my god, you're right! <laughs> it's an elf
0: ooze mutant. This is the breeding pool, guys. Yeah. Breeding <laughs> pot. He days, you're... Breeding, yeah. birthing, birthing pot. We did This it. is a birthing <laughs> pot, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at some Simic cards, they might have some surprises. Yeah, there might be yeah. some loses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That's the only one. That's I, the only checked. one. Okay, okay.
0: okay. It's um, just
2: the weird four drop mythic that curves to this card.
0: Weird. <laughs> yeah. And then becomes a five. Wow. Okay. I mean, honestly, that is kind of <laughs> yeah, helpful. It might
2: come up, honestly. Like, yeah. Vanaphir is not unplayable.
0: Right. This card is not unplayable. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you can do this. They're both green. If you... Yeah. Wow. Okay. Like, you can biogenic ooze, and that, like, kind of protects your prime speaker from lava coil, because, like, they can use their coil on the ooze, but then they don't have it anymore for your... <laughs> this is, he's almost real that, sketchy. I program. don't know, guys. we we might be going a little. Deep Any, we shouldn't have looked up oozes. <laughs> yes, no, no. You know what other uses are in this format? It's the the token you make, the token that you can make. Yeah, up. that, is, seems, that really is that seems really like mostly what we're talking about here. <laughs> right. yeah. the, and this is a big pile of stats. I'm, yeah, yeah,
2: I'm all about paying four mana for making a 2-2 ooze every turn. Yeah, but and really, it's a three or 3 Honestly, before their turn with, with, even
0: starts. I know that we keep on talking about cards and their playability with. I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Uh, wilderness reclamation, but <laughs> you know, this is that's that's pretty amazing. Uh, but you know, this is a mana sink, and and when I was brewing up my reclamation deck, I, it was a card that I considered. Yeah, you know,
2: I never even. I, I was so focused on Instance specifically, I didn't even think about mana sync activated abilities. Right. And there's a yeah. bunch of them. No, it's yeah, I mean, Adapt. Right. Adapt
0: is definitely gonna be a good one. I think this I, card is another way to you know, and if you end up with multiple Wilderness Reclamations, then you're, you're really gonna be able to do Multiple uses. Yeah. Yeah. This um, card just takes over if you've got multiple yeah, reclamations absolutely. play. Right. So and I think that you, you know, want to skip ahead to Wilderness Reclamation before we should we... talk about Wilderness Reclamation. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'll just say Wilderness Reclamation it's it's a uh, four mana enchantment, three and a green Uh, It says, in the beginning of your instep, untap all lands you control. That's it. Yep. Uh, Don't worry about it, guys. (laughs) Either this is doing nothing, or it is breaking the game wide open. I want to note a few things about this card. Uh, If you have multiples of these, the abilities stack. That's a Um, huge thing. And that means that if you have instant speed stuff, you can do a lot in your instep. And I'm talking uh, adapt your creatures, uh, create a bunch of oozes if that's what you're into. Activate as Kanta the Sunken Ruin multiple times Mm -hmm. and you're searching for Turbo Fog or sorry searching for your uh, extra turns cards Uh, It's you know casting a giant explosion like yeah potentially Uh, There's just a lot of things that I think that this card is really going to open up and that's why we've been talking a lot about it since the beginning Um, We just kind of see a lot of utility uh, but, you know, cards like this have to be giving something very, very powerful to its archetype when, on its own, it doesn't really do much, it right? It does nothing. But even that is a little mitigated by the fact that if you're building your deck around this, you're going to have things to do in your Nope. Yep. And the do-nothing cards are bad because you're making a mana investment and then your opponent gets to... You know, you're losing tempo out mm-hmm. of that. The and that's why those do nothings are mostly bad. Is that you? The tempo loss is very significant. Mm-hmm. This card, if you have instant speed cards, doesn't come with any tempo loss. It pays you back immediately. It, it only yeah. has it comes with a tempo loss if this card gets countered in some way or destroyed before your before your instep. All the. The naturalizes, like if they're playing actual naturalize that costs two mana, most mm-hmm. of the naturalizers that are seeing play are like the white ones that cost three. Yeah. Have them, ha- they have to like have that up if right. they're going to naturalize yeah. it. Or and then if just you can, mana back. If, if they do have it up, you can just pass this turn and then have your Mystic mid- Snakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's insane. <laughs> so, I, like, I'm just, if this card is playable, which I I really think it is. I I think that the standard format warps around it. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of the most important cards. I was watching some versus live today, and just every time, uh, like like Todd had, had built a deck around it. And every time he cast it, and then just went to his end step, it was like, "Holy crap! That card just costs zero man and carry on his entire deck." Or in in some turns past turn four, it's going to cost negative
2: mana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the second one is. Always negative. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. So, so the the key is going to be making your deck work without Wilderness Reclamation in play. But I yeah. think most of these so cards that we're putting key, yeah. in the deck well, are just good cards. The, they are, yeah, phenomenal. Cards. The
2: ask for Wilderness Reclamation is only that you have to be spending mana sometime other than your main phase. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Which is not a hard-ass. No. Instants are good. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You
0: want it to. And yeah. especially yeah. if you have some instants that draw cards, those help dig for the Wilderness Reclamation, and then once you have Wilderness Reclamation, they cost zero mana, and yeah, I think this, like, I want to give this card an A, because I think the standard Ooh, format wow. is going to revolve around Wilderness Reclamation. Like, Wilderness Reclamation decks are going to be a big thing in standard, yeah, I think. I, I believe it will be an A at least for a week zero sure yeah. um uh you know pe- this is the first card that people are going to be really testing around you know and whether or not it you know it's it's a real, relatively unique effect so whether or not it, it lasts through the testing process is not a guarantee but based on all of our considerations and, and play patterns that we've been kind of thinking about it seems to be one of the yeah one of the most defining cards it's on like
2: one set. of the three cards that said i have a s- Mm-hmm. Very set on making a deck belt.
0: Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> this, I already have made a deck. Of this, so, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just one of those terrifying cards. You do not want your opponent to cast this card against you. Uh, right.
2: Pretty much any time a card allows you to cheat on um, a resource of magic, like mana in mm-hmm. this case, it's it's a red flag that something might be very good with this card. Right. Yep.
0: yep. And, and honestly, it seems so like this combining with Nexus of Fate is. Is so likely to be an interaction that was overlooked by uh, by R and D because because Nexus Fate just shouldn't have been in standard and uh, you know so it, in in a normal context I would be like I I I'm, this is so obvious to me that it feels like R and D would have picked up on it and you know we know that's not always true Sahili Rai but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's just more likely that that's the case because Nexus was a bioarch. So yeah, I, I'm I'm down for an A grade on this one. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, next one is a little more uh, reserved, <laughs> down to earth. Yeah, a yeah. little more, down, a little more in the mud, if you will. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> this is Endra's forerunners. Uh, five green, green, green for a seven, seven bore vigilance, trample, and haste. When Enrace Forerunners enters the battlefield, other creatures you control get plus two, plus two and gain vigilance and trample until the end of turn. I mean, basically it's a Crater hoof behemoth that's just worse than Crater Hoof in pretty much every way. It doesn't yeah. pump itself. Uh you know, Crater Hoof, if you had other creatures in play and like tap them all except for one yeah you'd have a lethal attack and plus two plus two is not close to the same as plus x plus x for each of your creatures right in <laughs> right. Yeah. this is the the
2: the crater hoof number two you see in the cube draft like right in the dregs where you're like
0: well i guess i, I need that i didn't yeah. get crater hoof but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fine <laughs> so it's probably just completely unplayable but you know maybe it's the top end of that like but we're talking about it because it is reminiscent of a, mm-hmm. a known busted right. card. It's not so. an awful card. Right. Yeah. If you have had your Biogenic Ooze in play for a couple of turns and you weren't quite able to bust through... For and then some you... reason? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, man? Um, I Yeah, I don't think this card will see very much play, if any at all. But if you need an over yeah, this is the one. Yeah, okay. That's fair. All right. Let's next, just, let's just yeah. get the next one. Can we? <laughs> All right. This one's a big boy. This yeah. is this is Growth Chamber Guardian. One in a green for a two-two Elf Crab Warrior, with two in a green to adapt two. Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on growth chamber guardian, you may search your library for a card named growth chamber guardian, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So I've been referring this to this as the, uh, the four, four squadron hawk. (laughs) Yeah. It's squadron hawk, but it's a four, (laughs) four. Yes. If you, yeah. So on rate it's yeah. like fine you know you you just like keep making 4 4s and getting guys we
2: were, we were talking about how good a Rick's Monte reveler was in part because it's just a grizzly bear right <laughs> yeah. right yeah this is a grizzly bear plus yeah. yeah oh yeah
0: for sure um and the this card seems extraordinarily pushed in many contexts three mana for adapt two uh and that adapt ability triggers and allows it to search your library for another one it's there's it's just the raw power level of this card is and then once we so strong. Once we put it together with any of the synergies, it goes like off the map. So yeah. with Hadanus climb, yeah. you just get to trigger this for zero mana yeah. a bunch of times. You don't even need to have cast the other ones if you keep Hadanus climbing onto the same Growth Chamber Guard, You, you just keep, keep triggering and head getting head more for your hand. We don't have like a brainstorm, but if we did, <laughs> oh baby. Um, no, no. There is brainstorm. There's that bad murf. There's mirth. the four mana brainstorm two two. Yeah, we're not. Um, yeah, we don't need to go that deep with this. Card. But it's, it's, in, so it's, jo- it's so good. It's just so good. Yeah. Uh, if, you, <laughs> if you, if you. All right. So check out this curve. I'm ready. All right. Uh, turn one Lannowar Elf. Turn two uh, Rhythm of the Wild. This is the enchantment that gives all your creatures riots. Then you just have two mana three threes that draw two mana three threes every time you cast one. Yeah. Right up until you hit the
2: fourth one, you've just drawn a bunch of 3 trees. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it's it definitely seems strong, for sure. Uh, and it will see play, and I think it's a pretty clear A in my mind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to be format-defining just because of the fact of how strong this card is against particular archetypes, namely control. Mm-hmm. And, and that is going to warp the control decks pretty significantly. They're going to have to kill you uh, back. They're gonna have to be more tap out based or something like that. At at least they're gonna have to fill their deck up with a significant amount of cheap removal spells. Well, cheap removal spells are yeah, which they don't want to do speed or something that like cheap removal is pretty bad against this because it draws you a card once it becomes relevant. Yeah, if you're using
2: it with one of those pulse ones, one counter enchantments, there's no real good way to get. Up on cards, uh,
0: yeah. if you're playing against this right. card, right? And the existence of Deafening Clarion in the control decks means that the control decks have really been eliminating most of the cheap removal spells from the right. deck. Mm-hmm. But this card lines up extraordinarily well against Deafening Clarion. If if the control if the control players on the draw, then this is just a four four before they can cast it. Right. And that's you know that's big X. So, so what what the control decks are going to need to do to deal with stuff like this is either you know like being heavy on like Kaya's Wrath is okay, because at least you're, you know, buying back the tempo and cards and stuff in a way that's. you're not getting totally hosed on, the way that if you're pointing removal spells at these guys that so you do, or trying to use Definite Clarions. Um, also, if you're going, like, super over the top, so if they're closer to being, like, Turbo Nib-Mizzet decks or something like that, then that's a way that... I, I don't care how many Growth Chamber Guardians you have, right? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, for sure. And so that that may be a place that some of these control decks get pushed into yeah. by cards like this. It really, yeah, it really brings brings us back to Adrian Sullivan's mm-hmm. Turbo Nimbus attack, deck, where his answer to Carnage Tyrant, which was this unbelievable green card for the control decks, it's was just, just killing to kill them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that seems to be likely where we're going with the control decks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that just more justifies the A-grade on this card. Yeah. It's a yeah. format-defining card. I think it Absolutely. works for sure. Yeah. This next one, Incubation Druid, I I also want to give an A to. Yeah. This uh, is... This is my favorite card in the set. Nice. This is one in a green for an O2 Elf Druid. It has tap, add one mana of any type that a land you control could produce. If Incubation Druid had a plus one plus one counter on it, add three mana of that type. Instead, three green green, adapt three. This is my early pick for maybe best card in the set. I think it is also my favorite card in the set. Yeah, it's been spoiled. It's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the ability to put a plus-one, plus-one counter on this and then have it uh, add three mana to your mana pool is... That's a big game. Um, I mean, you know, and we've already looked at a significant number of mana sinks um, that green has access to. Uh, There's just a mana sink built into this card. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it's so... No matter how you do... You can't do this wrong. It's either just a mana dork when you just need that, or you can tap it to activate its own adaptability, or you can put the mana into the adapt and then get refunded. for like it, The play pattern, there's always going to be one that works no matter what other cards you've got going on, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that flexibility plus the huge power of this becoming a Gilded Lotus, whether that's because you put the mana into it and then you get it back later, or because we're cheating on it with Rhythm of the Wilds or... Uh, Stony Strength, which we're going to talk about in a second, <laughs> so, uh, or or Hadana's uh, Climb or whatever, or Ajani. Like, Ajani is perfect with this card. It can get it back if it died. It can put the plus one, plus one counter onto it. Like, yep. There's absolutely. a lot of stuff I'll, going on there.
2: I'll, also, an overlooked thing is that it doesn't produce, or it doesn't have to produce green mana. It can produce mm-hmm. multiple colors of mana. Yeah. Uh, not all at the same time, but if in a world where we're trying to play Frilled Mystic or double-colored cards or... True crazy color intensive this card will help you with it no yeah. matter if you're, as long as you're playing the color it's got your back absolutely
0: and hadana's climb once it's flipped makes mana of any color that's sort it's kind of a nice little combo uh, i also just like how the incubation druid gives you a little bit of redundancy with your wilderness reclamation if you're trying to do like really mana hungry right. stuff this is sort of a backup engine for you
2: absolutely so. there, the I really like the synergy with Stony Strength, which is, a in this set, a green mana instant that you can put a plus one's one counter on a creature you control and untap it. Yeah. So if you already have your Incubation Druid up and running, it already has plus one's one counter on it. Stony Strength is just Dark Ritual.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, fair.
2: And if you haven't turned which, it on yet, it's Black Lotus.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: It, which is pretty maybe pretty strong if you're trying to really try to get a lot of
0: tempo all at once. hmm Yeah. Um, and, and maybe you know it, it. does seem like pretty narrow, but if you've also got Growth Chamber Guardian in your deck, then at least it can turn into a Growth yeah, Chamber any, Guardian. Any, any adapt creature you can, you there's a lot of mana sinks in this set. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I think I, I'm I'm down for for an A on this one. I think that it's going to be one of the one of the more powerful cards in in. Whatever archetype these green two drops want to end up in. Yeah. And, you know, we'll. Probably we'll, multiple archetypes. Yeah, probably multiple archetypes, which would be nice. And it's indicative of the power level that it's able to, like, grab a card like Stony Strength by the collar and be like, you're a standard playable, <laughs> probably. <laughs> right. well, well, maybe. Maybe. maybe yes. It's a situational thing. It right? is, but it, it is, is something to keep in the, your mind if you're building it up. I mean, this Stony Strength is the kind of card that can create god draws. It's, but yeah. that may just not be a thing. Your deck might just be powerful That's enough that you don't need to do something. I, like I'm less excited about cards like Sony Strength. I think that we Same. have enough other incidental plus one, plus one counters that yep. are on good cards already, like Hadana's Climb. Right. Um, Where I tend to shy away from uh, cards that playing bad together. cards yeah. in oh, standard at least this means we don't have to dip into white for Gerd for battle if we really need this effect. So yes. Gerd for battle, also, I'm not for as much. Yes. Um, I did post about that in our Discord, but uh, uh, yeah, I I'm I'm typically gonna shy away from cards like that in yeah. in a in a constructed format. Yep. Yeah, uh, So next we've got Open the Gates, which is a green mana for a sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card or gate card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. I demand my Lays of the Land to be broken <laughs> cards. So this yeah. isn't good enough. <laughs> yeah. How come my Lay of Land doesn't also like give me another card's worth of value? Yeah. What's going on, on
2: here? On. Or, or Was that card like banned or something? Yeah, <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> they they give it to us for a while and they just have to ban it. Well, so they man. wanted to just shortcut it and this, make this
0: one just not as good. <laughs> we are going into a format with very good mana. Very complicated mana potentially, yeah. and this may be a way of in your green deck. Just saying, you know what? Like we can cast anything. Yeah. I mean, you got to run the basic lands or the gates in order to do it, which is potentially kind of wonky. Mm-hmm. But if you need a lay of the land, and you might, this is this helps. It's hard for me to justify playing open the gates in formats that have more powerful one mana uh mm-hmm. card selection cards. Mm-hmm. Um adventurous impulse comes to mind. Also uh the new um split card that digs five for Incubation creature. and Kranguid. Yeah, yeah. I think that that card is better than people are giving it credit for right sure. now. Um especially if we're trying to get our turn to incubation druid. Yeah, yeah. Incubation so, Druid also kind of helps you with your mana. Yeah, absolutely. Just for a little, little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> so uh so yeah. Open the gate's probably not gonna see play outside of limited. Yeah, but it's there. If you boy, need it. am I excited to play it unlimited though! Uh, yes, yeah. find me some gates. Find me- oh, oh, god, me the gate up. deck is going to be so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, green, green gates is I'm sure going to be an archetype. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, right. Um, Lee, this is one for you to talk about. This is Rampage of the Clans, three and a green, instant. <laughs> Destroy all artifacts and enchantments. For each permanent destroyed this way, its controller creates a 3-3 green centaur creature token. All right, Lee, so they've banned KCI. <laughs> yeah. but, but you still want to play that shell in modern. <laughs> yeah. You just play this instead?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just build up all your artifacts, but instead of sacrificing them, you just make a million 3-3s. Three <laughs> cool. cool. So your side just combos into just a million centaurs. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Um, yeah, this card is interesting. I mean, people are considering it in 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 a modern context for like some sort of weird artifact combo deck, but that will never exist for KCI as a deck. The, the um, will,
2: so, someone asked me if this card was good against KCI, and my response was, <laughs> I just want to play it in KCI, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I play it in the sideboard. Right, I mean, yeah. If you cast this against
0: KCI, you just died a combat damage. Yeah, there is
2: no way you're surviving that many centaurs. Yeah. Also... It works on darksteel citadel too. Your darksteel citadels don't die, and they give you a centaur somehow. I don't know <laughs> right. how that works.
0: <laughs> uh, you don't get the centaur. It has to actually be destroyed. Yeah. For, oh, for indestructible stuff. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at least you know. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, Shatterstorm is not a sideboard card that is particularly yeah. effective against KC. No, no. So this certainly isn't either. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, um, this card's cute. Uh, but I just I'm just really struggling to see its implications anywhere. Yeah, it's it's not particularly. Yeah. But it is a, it's a you know it's a unique effect, so it's not something that you want to forget about existing. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, it's just hard to see this. Like, against any artifact deck, this just kills you if you cast it against them to kill their artifacts. Like, yeah. right. I, I I'm having trouble. Maybe
2: but, against boggles, you'll still die, but you'll be killing enchantments.
0: I mean, yeah, you can <laughs> you can you can cast this and then cast their an instep and then this. untap and anger them. Oh, oh, wow, that's a really weird combo. <laughs> I really <laughs> wish I, got them. I really <laughs> wish I was playing Tranquility instead right. of this card. I really <laughs> wish I could have just put a Back to Nature in my deck. instead. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, had to work for it. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, we really had to work for a Back to Nature. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, so it's it's definitely an interesting card we're talking about, but I eh, I don't standard. I don't really I, see it having. It's never going to see any standard yeah, play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lasting green, we've got Cerule Caretaker, uh one green for an 0-3 defender. It has tap and tap and untap creature you control, add one mana of any color. I think we just have good enough options for like getting our mana up way high that we yeah. don't need to be doing I-, I don't see a deck like the the green black deck from several sets ago that needed an effect like this that had The, the yeah. deck. The yeah. deck. I-, I don't really see that with the cards that we've no. got.
2: Um, so that that deck used, uh, was it Lone Dryad? Lone Dryad is Lone what it was Dryad. called. Yeah. So this card's very, very much like Lone Dryad. It's right, just yeah. an 0-3 instead of a 1-2. Yeah, which is better. Lone Dryad was the only good in that deck because it was the only
0: one mana, mana creature available at the time. Yeah, We have we we Llanoware Elves now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely definitely. while this card exists in standard with Llanowar Elves, I would be extraordinarily surprised to see it see play. Yeah. Um. Plus, uh Springlift drum with summoning sickness is not close to spring Drone, drum, so that's also a consideration. Yeah. So I, I would not. I'd be surprised if this ever sees any play in a real deck. Yeah. Yep. And we've already talked about the last two that we've got listed here: stony strength and wilderness reclamation. So that actually wraps it up for our um, mono-colored uh, mono-colored cards. Um, Alright, so this brings us to our multicolored cards now. And we've got quite a bit of them, because uh, there's there's a significant number of cards for each new guild. Yes,
2: yeah, so let's start with Orsov. So first up we've got Kaya, Orsov, a Usurper, which is a 1-white-black 3-loyalty planeswalker, Kaya. Uh, her plus 1 is exile up to 2 target cards from a single graveyard. You gain 2 life if at least 1 creature card was exiled this way. Her minus 1 is exile target non-land permanent with converted mana cost 1 or less. And her minus 5 is Kaya deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile.
0: And you gain that much life. So basically, plus 1 to do nothing, minus 1 to do nothing, minus 5 to like mostly do nothing. <laughs> Well, I like that they printed or printed a sideboard planeswalker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I actually do really like that. It's uh I mean, yeah, it's this card it feels to me like a sideboard card, which yes. is a very strange label to give a planeswalker, but it just feels like that's the best fit for it in the uh, yeah. constructed format.
2: If anything, I wish it was a little more narrow, but a little stronger at like graveyard. Yeah, let's that's, say. Fair. yeah that's fair. That's fair. Because then it would it wouldn't be like, is this a sideboard card? To be like, oh, this is a sideboard card.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I I don't believe it was intended for that function, <laughs> which is probably why they didn't really go down that route. But but yeah, it's uh, the power level of this card seems mm-hmm. not there really for any other context, mm-hmm. unfortunately. It is fun, kind of funny how all of the abilities in a weird way are just like this is kind of a hate card for like Grixis Death Shadow. <laughs> <Like Yeah. laughs> exiles graveyard cards, exiles Death Shadows, and then minus fives to just like kill them because they've been paying life and delving and whatever. But it's yeah. just nowhere near powerful enough. You would never even like sideboard this against Death Shadow. No. It's just not good. Nor, right. nor do I know what white black
2: decks are really running around
0: and mocking <laughs> nowadays. Yes, true, true. Fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that I'm pretty comfortable giving this a sideboard rating. I mean, I just yes, you yeah. know, it, it's not powerful enough in any other context, so yeah. I think that's the only rating it really deserves. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you plus one it, then even if they do have a Phoenix on their next turn, they can't kill it. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I just don't know what this card is for. Yeah, we're kind of reaching for, yeah. for uses on this one. Um but yeah, it's uh you know, it's interesting that they're kind of exploring that area, I guess. If sure. yeah, they are, yeah. but I mean I do prefer these kinds of planeswalker designs to the just like here's another omnixilis the or like yeah, just generically like if I untap with this planeswalker, you're probably gonna lose the game sorts <laughs> of things. So I, I appreciate this.
2: And next up we've got Seraph of the Scales, which is a two white black four three angel with flying. You can pay a white mana to give Seraph of the Scales Vigilance until turn. You can pay a black mana to give Seraph of the Scales Death Touch
0: until their turn. And Seraph of the Scales is Afterlife 2. Yeah, the biggest call for me for this card is the Afterlife 2 text. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that a a flying body that's reasonable a reasonable rate, 4 mana for a 4 power flyer, that dies into 2 1-1 flyers, that's not the worst. Um, It doesn't line up very well against... Like playable constructed creatures in For sure. general? I'm definitely not super excited about it yeah. by any context. If one of these abilities had given it lifelink, then I'm oh, excited yeah, about it. That would be pretty cool. Um, but Vigilance and Death Touch on your 4 3 flyer, Vigilance on a 4 3 is just not really that right. strong. And then also, you know, death touch on your 4 power flyer is not really what well, you're looking for either. Death
2: touch on your flyer in general, what are you
0: killing? Right, <laughs> I don't want to fight anything with this creature. Yeah, yeah, we're,
2: we're not going to be blocking to Visit with our 3 toughest <laughs> creature. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right,
0: it's not going to It's, it's <laughs> just going to die. Right, right. Um. I think, to me, the vigilance on this card mostly like protects it from Seal Away. I guess, more I than anything that. else. Sure. And I think the the most that you're getting out of this would be in, like, an angel deck where the creature-type matters and, like, following this up with a... You know, if if you're probably going to follow this up with Lyra, like, they want to kill this, and then that hopefully gives you spirits, uh, yeah. which, you know, aren't a combo with Lyra, but at least you're getting value at that point because mm-hmm. they're scared of you dealing that 5 lifelink damage. But... I, like overall like add all that up with like how bad this is against lava coil and there's so much lava coil that we're barely playing rekindling phoenix right now that's true yeah lava coil definitely got a significant boost um with the printing of this new set because of all of the uh relevance that exiling has right and we're already running four lava coils in like three different decks and standards yeah 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 so i mean i agree i'm not not super excited about it um and, you know, the, the best thing on this card being getting 2 one ones. It's not, it's, you know, I don't want to say that like I, I think that it's a great card, but it's, I think it's the best part of this card. So. Yeah, it is.
2: And let's move on to Ethereal Absolution, which is a four white-black enchantment. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and creatures your opponents control get minus one, minus one. And you can pay two white-black t- Exile a card from an opponent's graveyard. If the card was a creature card, you can create a 1-1 white and black spirit with flying.
0: So this is kind of a Curse of death Hold that also is like a long-term win condition. I mean, 6 is no joke. Like, that's a lot of mana. 6 is a lot of mana, Um, but, but imagine being the aristocrat's deck and trying to beat this card. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the, the effect, I believe, is a little more powerful than... Uh, you kind of give Bit credit for because if you're talking about just the ways that your creatures line up against your opponent's creatures, you can kind of evaluate this as a plus two plus two on it's, all your creatures. It's huge that's, if you're both fighting creatures. Yeah, that's yeah. massive for sure. Which makes this just an A plus plus and limited and like completely unbeatable. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of sad that they printed this card because it feels to me pretty close to a card. The worst type of card that I hate in Magic, which is unbeatable, limited bomb, not playable and constructed. I just don't think that those should exist ever. Right. So I'm, you know, I th- if this is, it turns out to be like an archetype card in that Aristocrat stack or sees any play and constructed, I'll be pretty happy. But <laughs> pretty much only to to justify it existing. You know, I'm not super excited about this card in any other way. I don't think. I think this is. To me, most likely this will see play out of the sideboard of like Esper control decks against Aristocrats decks. Mm-hmm. That seems just to like, you know, we spent removal spells and now we're going to put this in play to like lock up the game. Yeah, that's fair. Because, yeah, I mean, this definitely makes sure that any afterlife creatures your opponent's trying to get are just not going to exist. Yep. Um, so that's you know that's very valid.
2: What do you what do you guys think about uh, in the aristocrats deck? Priest of the Forgotten Gods makes mana. That's true. This is actually and if you're sideboarding this in in the mirror, you're you're definitely gonna win the mirror if you have this card to play. That's true. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can get down with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it uh, um... also
2: makes tokens like.
0: Right. That's not the worst thing in the world. And they're two two flyers when you have this in play. Yeah. Like they yeah. kill your opponent pretty quickly. Right. It is it's a very real way of taking over the late game. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, whether or not this deck is going to be interested in that, we'll 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 find out. Right. right. I mean this feels like a sideboard card definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it could be. I'm not sold on that, but I it could well, be I think if it sees if
2: play anywhere. Right, that's whatever, it will be on the sideboard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're not looking to main deck six mana enchantment. small <laughs> enchantment hate creatures, but no.
0: Right, but yeah,
2: yep. Alright, let's go on to Kaya's Wrath, which is a white, white, black, black, four mana total. Sorcery, destroy all creatures, you gain life equal to the number of creatures you controlled that were destroyed this way.
0: So this one's, you know, this one's been talked about pretty significantly so far. It's uh, four mana, destroy all creatures, uh, no downside, except for the mana cost. Uh, mana cost is pretty restrictive. It's white, white, black, black, specifically. Um, so, you know, it's going to be tough to include these in your blue based control decks because you're going to need to have your 3 mana counter spells that are going to be double blue mm-hmm. and and then also run this card. So I, I'm kind of evaluating this more of a 5 to 6 mana card in my mind. Um, maybe the mana bases are just insane and, and great or didn't work out anyways, but I find it pretty unlikely that any 3 color deck is going to have no land that uh, doesn't produce white or black.
2: It- it is possible i've seen math on this cost it is possible to build a deck where you are comfortably casting absorb into kaya's wrath for an example of competing mana costs sure but if you want to do that you're going to be half you're consistently enough like uh 80 plus percent of the time you have to
0: play a couple gates. yeah there's just no way around it right right Mm -hmm. that makes sense and and you're playing at least like Ten or eleven shock lands at yeah. that point, right. so your mana base is dealing significant damage to you. It comes at a real cost if you right. want your mana to be very consistent. Yeah, and you know if we are playing these guild gates in order to more consistently cast our card on turn four, that seems like a oxymoron in my mind. Right. Except that this is a catch up card, so That's fair. playing tap lands that put you a lead up high, to this is right. fine. Right. Right. And, and I think the threat of this is almost bigger than actually casting it a lot of the time because. The ability to just, like, play out creatures and know that on turn four, all they could have is settle their wreckage, and I can worry about the turn five Wrath mm-hmm. a turn later. Yeah. And as long as you don't put an island, actual island, into play in the first three turns, they have to think, what if they do have the turn four Kaya's Wrath? And that's mm-hmm. kind of a big deal for yeah. sequencing purposes. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, but regardless, I mean, the power level of this card is is strong, mm-hmm. Uh and uh, it's just gonna I think that it's just gonna come down to whether or not it can be supported in a in a powerful archetype in standard. Yep. Yeah. And, and the existence of this card is going to promote cards that don't creatures that don't just die to wrath. So yeah. you know, afterlife guys go up a little more in value, rekindling Phoenix goes up a little more in value, that sort of thing. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. But this should see plenty of play. Yeah, it's yeah. it will see play. It's a
2: it's a four-minute wrath. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. yep.
2: yep, for sure. Let's go on to Mortify, which is a reprint from Guild Pact, I believe. It's one white black instant, destroy target creature or enchantment. There's
0: good creatures, there's good enchantments. This doesn't cover your base of like, I need to kill the cheap creatures that are killing me from very early in the game. But it kills any creature, even like the five meta creatures of the format, no matter what kind of protections they have and stuff. of like high toughness or whatever. And killing enchantments... Especially in like control matchups, can be really important. Like killing an ixalan's binding—that's not an important thing—matters a lot.
2: So, what are the what are the cool enchantments for killing with this card? Because that's really what differentiates it from uh, just a
0: black creature spell kill spell. Well, honestly, killing um, wilderness reclamation I think is a gigantic deal potentially. So yeah, there's wilderness reclamation. There's experimental frenzy. Yep, if we're trying to play that. Yeah, and then just the white removal enchantments, uh, yeah, search, search for Azkanta, if that's a thing.
1: The, the so the, they're gets...
2: good use cases for this, but it's not a card you're just going to jam four of it to your deck being No, casted. It no. just costs too much
0: mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, solid role player. Yeah. Like, it's definitely a C. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and I think that it, this will see a significant amount of standard play, mm-hmm. um, you know, as long as this color combination is... A viable archetype. And the existence of Kaya's Wrath means that there's just just going to be decks of these. The parallel There's a lot of incentive to play these colors. Yeah.
2: All right. Pitiless Pontiff, a white black 2 2 vampire cleric. Pay one and sacrifice another creature. Pitiless Pontiff gains death touch and indestructible until end of turn.
0: So this is an aristocrat. It's a sack outlet. It costs a mana to sacrifice, which is a huge. Like, you know, cartel aristocrat is a a significantly stronger card than this, I think. This was the white-black 2-2 that you sacrifice a creature to give it protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. Um, The fact that you have to pay a mana for this effect is a big deal Mm -hmm. um, because you can get caught off-guard with it if you spend all your mana. For sure. And it's hard to, like, you know, sack your whole board to it if that's for whatever reason. You know, if you have Judith and they're removing it in response, you want to sacrifice five creatures or something like that. That's very difficult with this card. Yeah, I the one mana makes a huge difference in my mind. And also, it's it seems like there's more, you know, cards that want to sacrifice creatures than there are creatures that want to be sacrificed right now. There, there just doesn't really seem to be a whole ton of, like, payoff for, man, I really want to just, like, dump all these creatures in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, there's no blood artist. Yeah, exactly. There's no, like, blood artist effect. So, you know, this feels like a medium... Mm-hmm. you know sacrifice outlet and it's like you know a sacrifice outlet isn't really as much what we're looking for it feels like as we've been reviewing a lot of these powerful cards we've been more saying you know this is a really powerful sacrifice outlet i really hope that there are good sacrifice cards that right. can go with it i think and, like judith is a, a blood artist but yeah. she creates so much value to your creatures that are in play that it incentivizes like by giving all those guys plus one plus oh the opponent kind of has to trade off for them. And yeah. it's less important that you have sacrifice outlets. Exactly. To Judith. exactly. The
2: way I view these aristocratic decks, as we've been calling them, isn't necessarily the same way that they were built mm-hmm. back in the day where you would just sacrifice other creatures because you had a blood artist and you'd kill them outside of combat. Yeah. Uh, Cause our, our best things, like you're saying, there's nothing really, we're getting value of sacrificing. Right. But there are a lot of token generators and yeah. set and everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too sold on pitiless pontiff, necessarily because the, the mana cost is a little prohibitive. Yeah. Uh, but if we're putting tokens to play and want to sacrifice things, Priest is good at that. And if we're just putting tokens to play, Judith doesn't trigger tokens, but she anthems. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. probably good enough. Right? Yeah,
0: for sure. Right, like you, how many payoffs do we need? Right. We want yeah. our deck to be mostly token-making enablers. And yeah. Um, like
2: J- Judith and Priest seem like perfect places to start. Pitiless Pontiff does not seem like a card you have interest in. Right.
0: It may be like I want like a ninth and a tenth. You know, thing here or something like that, but I don't think we're building around this or anything like
2: that, especially since not once have we said, other than reading the card, what it actually does when you sacrifice things, mm-hmm. which <laughs> is it gains death touch and indestructible, right? Which it's it just was, not
0: impressive, yeah. It's just, yeah, and we're we've already got access to like a death touch creature with that one, two death touch afterlife, yeah, sure, like we can trade for big guys, How? you know. we
2: also have the plus one, plus one, and get your creatures gain indestructible okay. white card yeah. from earlier yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So this this card just does not seem necessary
0: no it seems pretty redundant yeah
2: so let's go on to our first split card revival revenge to turn my head sideways for this <laughs> one. Uh, revival is a, a white black white black so two mana both hybrid sorcery a return target creature card with converted mana cost to three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield revenge is a four white black sorcery which doubles your life total, and target opponent loses half their
0: life total rounded up. It's a very odd combination of effects. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, with these split cards, you're hoping that the use cases for each like kind of cover most game states that you could end up in. Yeah, I guess if your deck is built enough that Revival is a good card, then you en- that ends up covering you for most of the time. I just don't know how many decks like Revival is that good of a card in.
2: Revival really wants you to have a three drop that's very important to your strategy, mm-hmm. so your opponent will kill it a lot. Yeah.
0: And you can get it right back with Revival. <laughs> so maybe we're just mostly targeting Judith with Revival? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that sounds. That's exactly what I was thinking about when I was reading this card. I was like, okay, what's the three drop that we just want as many copies mm-hmm. of as possible? Judith seems to fit the bill for that, sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that the mana can support a, a Mardu. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. aggro deck.
2: Uh, especially since this card is hybrid, it's not yeah. it's not a Kaya's, wrap. Right? Right. You don't you can pick right. what
0: colors yeah. you everything except for mountains in our deck casts the revival half of this yeah. card. So yeah. Right. So and revenge I never really see I just never thing. want to cast this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. mean sometimes, you know, they're going to be at 10 and you'll just be like lava to right. you Five, attack yeah. and then that's fine. Yeah. That's that's a fine thing to have on a card that you really want the other half of most of the time. Right. So, you know, like, like I definitely see this. You might just want, like, two of these in your Judith you know, Aristocratic, you know. Or Judith strategy in general. You don't have to play white for this card. True.
2: It could just cost double black. And I don't know what makes it better find at that point, but you can do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, the difference in standard between... Putting a, a you know a creature with CMC three or less into your hand into the battlefield is not it's not huge. No, you if know.
2: Fine gets you another creature and is a
0: serviceable back half. Right, right. but the fact that like putting Judith the Right into play and then that enables attack. an attack with whatever yeah, you've got. I guess with Judith in an aggressive deck, it's definitely not it, insignificant. So that that should be noted for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, so I think this this could easily be a solid role player on that sort of deck. So th- this feels like. It could easily be a C to me. I, I like this next split card quite a bit, though. This, this I, one I, I I'm pretty too. excited about.
2: It's Consecrate and Consume. Consecrate is a 1 and a black-white hybrid instant, so 2-mana instant. Exile target card from a graveyard and draw card. Consume is a 2-white-black sorcery. Target player sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures they
0: control, and you gain life equal to its power. So there's just a lot of stuff that this deals with that we haven't had real good ways to deal with. This deals with Drake's with Dive Down Mana up. This deals with Niv-Mizzet with Dive Down Mana up. (laughs) This deals with Carnage Tyrant, even though they have other creatures to sacrifice. With Dive Down Mana up. With Dive Down (laughs) Mana (laughs) up. And not only that, but you get paid. You gain 7 life when you kill a Carnage Tyrant with this. You gain infinity life when you kill a Crackling Drake with (laughs) this. And then the backup of this cycles when you don't want it. Yeah, and it might catch a phoenix if you're in that matchup. If that if phoenixes come back into style and standard, or, or a Judith targeted by revival. Yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that that would be quite a blowout. Absolutely, because yeah. consume is not very good against that deck. So you really, right. you really you, want the You get all side. the value out of that consecrated. Boy, yeah. So, you know, who knows what the standard matchups are, but this seems like in a lot of them. You know, at minimum you'll be able to cycle it, but hopefully you'll be able to turn it into a good effect. You know, kind of regardless of what your opponent is doing. Hopefully,
2: and, and as someone who's died to a lot of Carnage Tyrants,
0: mm-hmm. I,
2: I can tell you that gaining seven life is really huge when they play their second Carnage Tyrant from their hand and, and start attacking you with it. It gives you like
0: a whole other turn to find another answer to this Carnage Tyrant. That's that's really good. It is. Yeah, I. I think killing people with Carnage Tyrants is going to be less of a just brute force effective strategy with this card, seeing seeing a reasonable amount of play. Mm-hmm. All right, so next up we have Azorius, and another three mana Planeswalker. <laughs> I like this one. Though. I like this one too. So this is Dovin Grand Arbiter. It's one a white and a blue for a, uh, a Dovin Planeswalker. It starts with three loyalty, has a plus one, it says... Until end of turn, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, put a loyalty counter on Dovan Grand Arbiter. As minus 1, create a 1-1 one one colorless softer artifact creature token with flying, and you gain a life. And then As minus 7, uh, look at the top 10 cards of your library, put 3 of them into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. It's a weird one. It definitely it feels kind of like Jace Cunning Castaway, but I think it's significantly better because you get op you minus one it and then you have options on your next turn. You don't just have to do the bad plus one. Right. Gaining a life is actually pretty decent here. You can use this as kind of a defensive card in a control deck. I, I like it more in like a tempo-y sort of thing. Card's really good with favorable wins. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff going on here. I, I really like that it makes flying
2: Thopters. Because mm-hmm. it, it matters where you can attack their planeswalkers if they have any going on. You don't draw Dovin like on turn three. Mm-hmm. Uh, a flying creature is much better than a two-two illusion. And it's not a th- it's it's not a three-drop creature.
0: But it is a three-drop planeswalker. It's it's it gives you stuff to do over several turns. Yep. I also this may be too cute, but I really like that it makes artifacts. And if you put this in a deck with uh, Karn and with Tezzeret. You're making a lot of artifacts, and like your Karn constructs can be pretty huge, pretty quick, and that's like a pr- that's a very cohesive group of Planeswalkers together. You're making a big board of threats, and then Dovin can get a lot of loyalty back because you have all these Thopters. Tezzeret can draw you two cards. Karn is just making giant constructs. And when you have multiple Planeswalkers in play, it creates this weird, like, snowball-y thing where it's really hard to attack effectively.
2: Especially when they all make tokens.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I kind of like this, like, and that's only two colors, like a, a blue-white sort of super friends kind of thing. I don't have any idea if that will be an effective strategy, but they do work together pretty well. I'm kind of less old on this card than you guys are. Sure. It's, it seems pretty underpowered for me. If it does end up seeing play, I think it's probably going to see it play in an archetype that is significantly underpowered compared to what we've seen otherwise Mm -hmm. so even if it is a reasonable three mana planeswalker i'm just kind of struggling to see any archetypes surrounding it that can carry their weight as much well it's weird because it's a synergy sort of card yeah and most planeswalkers that have traditionally been good have been more standalone powerful
2: Um, yeah right it's also weird that this card's in white blue because yeah it's, it's Really awkward because it's a card where in white, just just white, it'd be pretty strong mm-hmm. making flyers and
0: like convoy with attacking. legions landing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But
2: it's in blue as well, so you have to stretch your mana for it. It's
0: right.
2: a, a little awkward. I don't I
0: definitely don't mind that you can just cash it in for three one one flyers and three life.
2: Yeah, um, I like that.
0: That's kind of like the best play pattern that I see. And, you know, occasionally maybe you get two one one flyers and you plus and you know, gain some life and then your opponent kills the Dovan and mm-hmm. You know, and then you've gained even more life in that context, so.
2: Well, one of the strikes against Dovin is, I can't imagine my opponents wanting to attack this. It's, it's just so slow.
0: <laughs> right, And but if that's true, then is it worth a slot right. in our deck? I'm just I'm just not really a sold on this card. It also gains you a life for a Johnny's Pride Mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, incidental life gain is definitely not, not something to be overlooked. I,
2: I think the strongest part about Dovin is that it blocks for you. Mm-hmm. It, it does it several turns in a row, yeah, and it's a permanent your opponent has to deal with, right? Or otherwise, it'll just keep blocking for you.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, if if you're in in the market for a couple of chump blockers, then it's it's okay. Then yeah. it's okay. But even even then, uh, I don't know. I'd uh, rather yeah. just kill a creature. <laughs> this is this is just a card that I. <laughs> I, I want to play with some to see. Yeah. But also I'm probably not going to get to it for a little while because I'm much more excited about the the, like, heavily powered green cards or a more straightforward like red-based yeah. strategy. Yeah, I was thinking about when you guys were talking about it, I was thinking about how this might be a card that sees pretty little play in the early development of this format, but then maybe once the format gets really evolved, there becomes a newer archetype that wants to utilize something like this right. in some way that people didn't think of at first. Um, but I don't know. I could also see this card just
2: not being very good
0: until more cards are released. Yeah, I mean, right, that's kind of where I'm at right now.
2: There's no real good white-blue strategy this card just wants to be a part of. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So you have to work for it. Right. The work's probably not worth it right now. Exactly. As much as I love (laughs) cards. Fair,
0: fair. So next up we've got, uh, kind of a spicy one actually, Emergency Powers. So this is a seven mana instant Five, blue, white. It says, uh, each player shuffles their hand and graveyard into their library, then draws seven cards. Exile, emergency powers. So, it's a a wheel. For seven. It's a lot for a wheel. But it is instant speed, so you can use your... It's instant speed, but kind of like one of those asterisks instant speed, because it has addendum text. Mm -hmm. The addendum text is, if you cast this spell during your main phase, uh, you may put a permanent card with converted mana cost seven or less from your hand onto the battlefield. So that text, to me, actually is kind of the only reason. Like, if I could really utilize that effect of this card, that would be why I'm putting this card in my deck. Right. And I think the card you really want to be putting into play with this is Wilderness Reclamation. <laughs> Wilderness Reclamation, yeah. And that also helps this out because it is, uh, you know... It's an instant. In- it's an instant. And if people are really trying to go deep on a um, Nexus of Fate deck, mm-hmm. this seems like a reasonable inclusion as like one or two of in in a wilderness reclamation uh nexus fate deck where you can main phase this once you get up to seven lands and make you know make it pretty likely that you're going to be able to find your um yeah your nexus, your nexus of fate yeah
2: yeah it also just can plop put Teferi into play if you happen to draw one give yeah. you seven extra looks
0: that's like pretty good yeah. Yeah. A, the thing about that though is like Teferi is so daunting when you've both used up some resources once you're both up to seven cards again Teferi is a little less like, ugh, Ooh. that Teferi in play is destroying me. I, I didn't mean
2: necessarily, I'm just going to main phase this on the battlefield, play mm-hmm. Teferi and then ship it. Right, plus right. Plus and ship it. I mean, when we're looking for Nexus of Fate already. Yeah, sure, we, sure. Even if yeah. we already
0: have a Teferi going, a, an additional Teferi card draw or tuck is pretty mm-hmm. impactful. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah, so, so just saying, like, that deck has enough permanence in it to put into play with emergency power. Yeah, you're not just be, like...
2: stuck on wilderness, sacramation, or bust.
0: Right, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the car- the kind of card that basically, like, either it does nothing or it's doing something, like, really obnoxious, I guess. So
2: If this card is a problem in Standard, it's not because of this card, it's because it's what it's doing. Yeah. Like, whatever it's putting into play.
0: Yep. So really hard to give it a rating, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm speculating on this for now. Like maybe yeah. it's it, uh, you know, a, a like you know potentially Turbofog esque archetype wants something like this, but yeah, hard for me to see it in any deck without Wilderness Reclamation. Yeah, in it. sure. All right, so next up we've got Lavinia. Let's go Lavinia. 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 <laughs> Lavinia. Uh, Azorius Renegade. So it's a it's a blue-white 2-drop that's a 2-2. It's a legendary human soldier. Uh, it says, each c- opponent can't cast non-creature spells with converted mana costs greater than the number of lands that player controls. Uh, also, whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell.
2: Can we just say this card is just not a galaxy and move on?
0: It is not a Galactique. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, the biggest consideration, I think, is whether or not this could ever see any standard implications. Um, We're just not cheating in standard in and ways I, that this card shuts down. And I just don't see it. The best way
2: we cheat in standard that I can see is Wilderness Reclamation, which is directly tied to the number of lands you control. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> right.
0: Unless I'm using Wilderness Reclamation to cast Electro an early... Makes... Yeah, okay. But, like, an early Nexus of Fate before I have seven lands in play, which is a thing you can do with Wilderness Reclamation, but you can just wait a couple of turns before doing that. That's also one card against one deck. Yeah, exactly. And that deck has to want
2: a two-drop blue-white. Which you don't. 2 It just
0: isn't going to happen in Standard. Yeah. And in Modern, you know, we talked about this before, mm-hmm. and it basically, like, like, hurts half of a bunch of strategies, but then just dies to the other half of the things they can do to you, so... Yeah, um, not really a card I expect to see play. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It is multicolored, so if you're trying to slot that guy that triggers off of multicolored <laughs> Hero here, one. here, yeah, here are free one in your humans deck. We can just make the deck really bad and turn <laughs> that thing on. Oh, uh, pass. Okay. I'd rather cast absorb, <laughs> which is the next card. What's absorb, you So absorb is cost white, blue, blue for an instant. Says so counter target spell and you gain three life. I'm in. Sounds yeah. great. I Good. love gaining three life. I love gaining three life. Um I don't really love countering target spell, and you know <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> but Lee's here, so he yeah, can I, I've for that. a lot of cancels of many
2: variations. Yes, and this is definitely th- this one. Is of the better good, this variations. is a good cancel. Yeah? Uh, it's a really good cancel. Mm-hmm. It was really good when they printed an invasion, yeah. but it it's creatures are so much more powerful now. <laughs> yes, like <laughs> th- this card is just fair. It's right. it's a good alternative to sinister sabotage. It might not be like the best card or the best Mm. cancel ever you've ever seen
0: but it'll do its job depending on how the mana shakes up i don't know if this just means that you're you have to make sure that after your blue blue requirements have been filled your extra land after that is happens to be a white one Mm -hmm. and in a three mana deck that has potential to be a little harder than it sounds i don't i mean yeah, I don't know just got to be necessarily true. But be careful with your brewing. I think most of the four decks are gonna be able to do
2: that. You, you just have to build it like any other deck. Make sure your your mana can support the cards you cast. Sure. Like you you can't ignore that this card is three different colors, and you want to cast it fairly yeah. early.
0: Yeah, for sure. But in general, like. The fact that we are putting Revitalize into our Jeskai decks, oh, it's great, and, yeah. and that, no, that absolutely, that means that that three life is valuable. One of the reasons that Revitalize is getting put into the decks is specifically the play pattern of we don't want to trade, we don't. There's nothing we want to cast on turn two because we don't want to spend a removal spell on any of the early creatures because we're running four Definite Glareans. So it, you know, Revitalize is specifically in those decks to give it something productive to do on turn two. But it is a hint that gaining 3 life is a productive thing in this format, and it will probably continue to be a pretty productive thing. Especially if there's a burn deck, and you can absorb as well and gain 3 life. Absorb against a burn deck. is Nice.
2: (laughs) And if we're taking out Revitalize on our Just deck, that's pretty cool, because these green creatures with adapters we talked about earlier, they really need some early removal spells. Yeah, Yeah. we're not
0: going to be able to rely on Definite Clarion, it's going to have to be different play patterns. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So, yeah, I mean, you know, pretty pretty easy scene in my yeah, opinion. It's very solid role player. Yeah. Next up, we've got an interesting one. So this is uh, Deputy of Detention. It's uh, 1, a white and a blue, for a 1, 3, Vodalcan wizard. Not a human. Not a wi- not human, unfortunately. Uh, when Deputy of Detention enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls and all other non-land permanents that player controls with the same name as that permanent until Deputy of Detention leaves the battlefield. So detention spear on, on a stick essentially a,
2: a little um, better because if you have to target one of your opponents things that you also control it doesn't exile it oh
0: okay yeah so it, it
2: only gets things they control
0: yeah. So when 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 somebody first told me about this card, they told me it was a one four, and I freaked yeah. out. Wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, that would have been way too good. Uh, it was it's it's actually a one three, which is much more reasonable. I was yeah, I was like, wow, this card is gonna break. Modern, yeah. what's, <laughs> what's gonna happen? Inside a bolt, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's just a one three. Um, so, but it, it's still a powerful card, I think.
2: Yeah. Um, Seems
0: like a a fine like. One of in Company or Court of Calling kind of decks, like those Bant decks, sometimes had a Banisher Priest or something in them, and this seems just, like this is a great way to incidentally answer problem like Ensnaring Bridges and and whatever that that happened to get in your way. Whenever I would play an Ensnaring Bridge against a Company
2: deck, they would only have a Knight of Autumn or something to deal with in the main deck, and that's so easily answered by several main deck cards already. Right. So and a Deputy of Detention
0: gets all of them in one swoop? That's pretty good. Right. And and you can't welding jar to save your yeah, thing from, from Deputy of Detention. And I think that's that's a big deal here. Mm-hmm. As far as standard goes, this seems kind of like a sideboardy sort of card. I I'm not sure exactly what context you want it in. It's kind of nice that it gets rid of like all the spirit tokens that are in play yeah. and they don't come back. Yeah, that can good. be important.
2: See it feels like Wizards is setting up a lot of Mid rangey tempo kind of blue white cards in this set. Yeah, that we don't really have enough to work with in just yeah. this set. Yeah. So I'd be looking about like this and Dovan with the eye towards the future because this yeah. is a card I'd be interested in, in having access to in an aggressive or more aggressive bent deck where Fiend Hunter effect is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that's just not blue white right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that for sure. It feels like blue white is has been pretty pretty shoehorned into control role at the moment and teferi is not that that's just why it is control yeah, role. It's right. just so good at that role yeah. yeah and and that's why i'm pretty comfortable with these azorius cards not most of the them not going super well with teferi yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure ww detention does go pretty well with dive down if you're building a deck that wants dive down anyways it's kind of nice to be able to protect your goofy removal oh. spell it's not the like Greatest thing in the world and you're not putting them both in your deck just to be good with each other But if you want both of them for other reasons, then it's fine to have them both So I I, I think that for now I'm gonna go with you know Speculative for the moment, but just kind of not really due to power level more due to I'm not really sure where this card slots in Yeah, yeah. but it, it does a lot of things. We've never had a, a creature like this that can O-ring anything before. Yeah. Always, all our banisher priests have gotten creatures. Yeah. And so this is a, a pretty big add, I think, to just like the corpus of things mm. that you can do with creatures in magic. Right. The corpus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next up, we've got Sphinx's Insight. So this is two and a white and a blue for a instant. It says draw two cards. It also has addendum. If you cast this spell during your main phase, you can gain two life. I think Sphinxes are mostly worse than Chemisters. Mm. Yeah, well. As far as Insight goes. Yeah, they yeah. just aren't quite as <laughs> smart, I guess. <laughs> I do see a scenario where the control decks want to play this instead, and that's if they there is a very prominent burn deck that the control decks otherwise have a bad matchup against. Mm. If that turns out to be true, then I think that a switch to Sphinxes and Insight might be wise. Other yeah. than that, a pretty narrow scenario, I. I'm not really selling this card. But. In that scenario, would you even want to be playing blue light
2: control? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, but if between absorb and Sphinx's Insight, you then have enough life gain that Sphinx's Insight is that's a, good a four
2: mana card you have to tap out for if you want to get. Yeah. Life. Yeah. But we already absorb yeah, this spell.
0: So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Then it was worth three cards, and yeah. That was our life total. Yeah. We're probably winning against Vern, right? right. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's got to be a pretty specific thing that you're trying to fix with this card that seems mm-hmm. not super likely to be fixed by this card if it is a thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So definitely some marks against it. Yeah. And Chemist's Insight has <laughs> proven itself to be quite strong. Chemist's Insight is very good. Yeah. Going to be hard to replace. Yep. Yeah. So next up we've got a uh, warrant and warden. So warrant is a uh, hybrid. Azorius Azorius for an instant says put target attacking creature, attacking or blocking creature on top of its owner's library. Uh, Warden is a um, five mana sorcery, three blue and white. Create a four four white blue sphinx creature token with flying and vigilance. I think it's a black and green. (laughs) <laughs> Sphinx token. Oh, flying and, flying and vigilance is black green. I've yeah. heard this somewhere before. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean this card I actually like a lot. It's putting something on top of the library is worth a card, right? Which it's very different than bouncing in my mind. Yeah. So it's kind of a removable spell in that context. It doesn't it permanently get rid of it, and you, know, you no longer have to deal with it. But it's it's still fine yeah. worth a card. It gets rid of the card they're gonna draw. Yeah, um, and you know the ability to also turn this card into a four four creature. That's not irrelevant, especially you know potentially post board in in a control deck. This card will gain value because I think that your opponent's gonna you know reduce some number of removal spells in their deck, mm-hmm. and you know maybe maybe the creature that you would have killed otherwise was was just bricked by this four four vigilance. So it's um, it's also a solid
2: edge in the control mirror to just leave it in if they're gonna try and like get you a lyra or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Because a lot of times they spend so much of their tempo on like putting the lyra into play. If you can get it gone for a turn, then right. that's, you're going to be able to kill them there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And the biggest draw to me for this card is that it just gives you two uh, pretty different, you know, two options that are pretty unique to their you know, position in the game, right? Yeah. Sometimes you want a threat, sometimes you want a removal spell, and this is offering both, and that yep. seems really powerful to me. Yeah. yeah. I do think that this might be another one of those Azorius cards that is waiting for that tempo deck to be buildable. Sure. Where they yeah. block with Lyra and you get to tuck it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, no life gain for you, please. Yeah, yeah, like you know, this deck, th- this card seems great in like a Dovenbon Azorius deck, but we just don't really have the creatures for that deck yet, probably. But I, it, it's mm-hmm. there. Like this card has has that strength to it that yeah. I, I definitely would be looking for homes for this. Yeah, agreed. Um, putting cards on. on Putting creatures on top of their owner's libraries out of a control deck is often not really, yeah. not exactly what you want. But if, you know, the control deck's objective is to trade resources aggressively, mm-hmm. and that is a resource trade. Yeah. You know, you're, you're trading for a draw step in that instance and their mana to cast it again, which is, you know, all that, oh, that's, I think, fine in my book. Yeah. Yep. But it is a feel bad, definitely, when you're like, all right, I need to rip an answer for this threat, and then hope that they don't draw anything for a couple of turns. It's just, you know, right. In that scenario, it just kind of gives you an extra draw step,
2: and mm-hmm. and if their creatures. Is- but if it's later
0: in the game and their creature is smaller than a four-four, you can just cast this. Yep. Like yeah. The yeah. Starts. No, absolutely for sure, and I think that's one of the reasons that this card is powerful. And I would be slightly more into this if it did make an angel to pump with Lyra, but well, it makes a sphinx. It makes a sphinx, it? sphinx. Yeah. I
2: keep shortcutting it as Serene. You know, they don't normally isn't. make
0: black green uh, angels though. So, right, oh, right. Fine. Only <laughs> black green sphinxes. Right. Right <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so next up, we've got Depose and Deploy. Uh, Depose is one and a hybrid Azorius for an instant. uh, It says tap target creature and draw a card. Um, Deploy is another instant to a white and a blue for creating two 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Uh, Then you gain one life for each creature you control. So one half cycles, the other half does a thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it only cycles if there's a creature in play, but this is standard, so eventually you'll be able to cycle it, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I mean, this card as well seems to be uh, pretty fine Uh, in terms of, you know, if we're looking in the context of a tempo deck again, the deposed card of tapping a creature and drawing a card, I I like that kind of effect. It's just kind of like, if you were going to cycle anyways with this card, you might as well get some Mm -hmm. effective life gain off of it. Or, you know... an attack Tapping your opponent's mana creature on their upkeep is a very real play, especially if it's um, a mana creature that makes three mana. Yeah, especially if it's a mana creature that makes three mana. So that you know, that's something that I you know, if we're going to contextualize this card, that you know, we've got some mana creatures in the format that are very powerful, land elves, and now the O two. So. Uh, you know, those seem to be pretty pretty good applications for this card. I, I really like this card, too. Yeah. This, the, the deploy sides, we haven't talked much about, but I, I think that card's yeah. perfectly castable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah and if, if you, you, gain, fires, if you gain four or five life off of that, that's a significant swing. Yeah, that, that's a big life swing. Oh, you gain a creature for each, a life for each. You gain creature. a life. For oh, each I thought you just gained two, two life. No, you, yeah. you can yeah. you gain at least two life. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, this there's, you know, like this is a card that I really want in that hypothetical like Dovin Bond deck, Karn Tezzeret super friends deck. <laughs> like like this is just going to gain you a ton of life, then then you kill them in the air. Like, you know, that's probably not more than like an FNM kind of deck,
2: but I'm trimming much smaller. Yeah. I, I just want to deploy if my opponent doesn't want to jam into my, my Frilled Mystic.
0: Sure. My sure. Mystic Snake. Yeah, this. I mean, right. Instance gain value in this format where we're trying really hard to have a bunch of instants I don't know if I'm playing this on a Wilderness Reclamation deck, but it's an instant. <laughs> <laughs> it is, for sure. But yeah, this is a great card to hold up with Frilled Mystic. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bant Flash... Sure. Uh, if if we're talking about a Bant Flash deck, this seems very playable in that. Definitely in that strategy. Yeah. So, moving on to Rakdos. We've said her name a bunch. We haven't read the card out yet. This is Judith the Scourge Diva. So we're starting with a bang. One, a black, and a red for a 2-2 Legendary Human Shaman. Other creatures you control get plus 1, plus 0. Oh. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Judith the Scourge Diva deals 1 damage to any target. Any target. To me, sure. this is one of those legendary creatures that you start with four in the deck that yeah. she goes into. Mm-hmm. She's just that important to your strategy. Yeah, this card is very strong. It's an anthem on a three mana body that also uh acts as a blood artist. But but blood artist to an extreme degree where you can
2: finish <laughs> yeah. off
0: creatures it's, that have blocked your creatures, it's it's really card- doing a lot
2: when this card hits the battlefield combat just becomes impossible
0: right, right. you can Forever never block yeah but it but if you I don't mean, block, sometimes you have to and then right? you're like well i don't know what's gonna happen i'm only gonna just do whatever yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah all she asks is for you to have several creatures in play not a hard ask not a hard ask and you just devote the rest of your deck to having several creatures in play and i think she's excellent and yeah i'm really into that orzhov card that that returns her to play, I think that's a that's a great way to help guarantee that you have access to Judith as much as possible. Yeah, this card is going to enable decks that couldn't exist otherwise. I mean, yeah, that makes sense to me.
2: I feel like we don't need to talk about her too much since we talked about her. <laughs> we yeah, I we talked about show. her with all the enablers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she's
0: incredible. This and is... I think this is a probably another A in the format. Um, oh, yeah. I think she's a pillar, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, next up we've got Bedevil. This is black, black, and a red for an instant, destroy target artifact, creature, or planeswalker. Powerful, versatile removal spell. Great for best-of-one formats. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But really just does a lot of what you want to do. You know, our our decks like like this, you know, Aristocrats Judith deck uh, are going to have very few slots for removal spells like Bedevil. And our burn deck is also going to have very few slots for pure removal spells like Bedevil. So it's really looking for a home and more of a mid-rangey or controller sort of thing that actively wants removal spells. But it has this huge benefit of rarely being just a dead destroy target creature spell because it is a hero's a hero's downfall. And it can also destroy artifacts if there are any relevant ones of those.
2: It, so. Yeah, it's hard to draw this card and say, oh, I wish I had a target for Bedevil. Right. That's that's just not really gonna happen.
0: Right. For sure. Or if it does, you're probably winning. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we know that like the Teferi decks in general are a bunch of like pretty good cards and then Teferi. Yeah. And if you kill the Teferi, a lot of their deck becomes not very good. Like especially like Nexus of Fate decks. Like it's really hard to maintain the Nexus of Fates without Teferi in play. So having a card like this that just answers Teferi is really powerful and important. I just um the decks that I'm excited about. Don't have a lot of room for cards like this, but cards like this tend to find homes in standard. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a pretty good summary. Yeah, what's going on here? And I, I think it'll be a B in in the format. It's just a really strong card. It will see play. Um, I don't know if it's going to define the format by any chance, no, but um, it's just an important removal spell. Yeah. yeah. Um, next up, we've got Theater of Horrors. This is one a black and a red for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. During your turn, if an opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards exiled with Theater of Horrors, and it also has three in a red Theater of Horrors deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. So kind of like, you know, if if we're talking about playing this in a deck that very consistently can deal damage to their opponent, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, you know, Fraxian Arena style yeah. card that just, you know, draws you draws you an extra card most of the time. I do I do think it's powerful in that context. And it's pretty accommodating. You know, you don't have to deal damage every turn to get access to the card. You get to use up the back, you know, the the cards that you have stored under it. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah, and that makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. And then later in the game, you know, if your control opponent doesn't have answers to this, you know, it's going to give you card advantage over time, and then at some point, you're just going to, like, deal a damage to them a few times and kill them with it. Right, Uh
2: yeah. You can notably
0: play lands with this card. Right. So, right. having the, the nightmare
2: you boarded the Seneca's control or whatever, if you have no creatures, mm-hmm. you can just ping him, play a land, and
0: build up to where you can ping, cast a spell, or ping multiple right. times. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, definitely in the late game where you're not doing much because the game is stalled out to that point. Right. It Yeah. It allowing you to get values is very, very, very real. And if you have mana up, you know a lot of control decks, their answers to weird permanences. Well, I'll just tug it with Teferi, but you get to kill the Teferi back with this if you have mana up, so that's kind of nice, yeah. Um, so this seems like a solid role player to me. I, I think a lot of my black red brews are gonna include a few of these just to, to start out with because yeah. it's, it's very cool. I agree, and I'm, I'm a Phyrexian Arena fan, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> the card is strong. <laughs> uh for sure next we've got footlight fiend this is a black or a red hybrid mana one mana for a one one devil when footlight fiend dies it deals one damage to any target so this is one of those like if we need spectacle enablers and we just want cheap stuff to do it with this is one of those things um yeah i mean it's so it's kind of like a fanatical firebrand yeah um but it you know it can both trade and then deal an additional damage, so it's not, I wouldn't say it's strictly better or strictly worse, it's just kind of similar. A little it's, different. It's yeah. quite good if you have Judith out. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, so Firebrand. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so is Firebrand, but, like, this thing keeps attacking and then, like, trades for a thing with two toughness and then deals two damage, It for you know. But, yeah, Firebrand is also super good. All these cheap creatures are really good with Judith out, so. So, yeah, I mean, Footlight like, Fiend, to me, feels like Probably might be like one more thing than is actually necessary for activating Spectacle. We right. have seems, a lot of decent ones. It wind seems drops. Just
2: a little too weak to be necessary. Yeah. yeah
0: I, I, I agree with that. Um, but, you know, worth noting that it's here. Yeah, it's a possibility, but it's a, a speculative one. We ever yeah.
2: need to reach for it, and we really want to have a multicolored spell for hero. <laughs> yeah, it does <laughs> trigger hero. <laughs> it's, it's a, Being a
0: one-drop that triggers hero, because those slots are a little bit hard to fill if you're really trying to get yeah, like her there are very few one-drop multicolored creatures, yes. let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of nice if we're really trying to do that. So worth thinking about for some decks. Yeah, sure. Then we've got... This Rakdos split card, uh, Carnival, Carnage. Carnival is a it is an instant for one hybrid Rakdos mana. Deals one damage to target creature or planeswalker and one damage to that permanence controller. And then Carnage is two, a black, and a red for a sorcery. Deals three damage to target opponent. That player discards two cards. So, you know, Blightning for one mana more. Attached to a pinger? Attached to a, a ping. And I think this card kind of hinges a little bit on how decent that ping is. If there's a lot of Llanowar Elves in the format, then this is a pretty nice way to have a way to kill Llanowar Elves that is also just a fine draw later on in the game. Right. It kind of reminds me of the single black. uh, Give a creature minus one, minus one. and Fungal Infection. Yeah, Fungal Infection. Mm -hmm. That card has been very, very good in standard at certain times. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that similarly, while if that card was very, very good, then this could similarly be a role player, I think. Yeah, But, you know, I, I'm definitely not going to start any of my decks with right. this in there. Right, I agree. It, it, when you're playing this card, you're attacking a specific yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Targeting an Adanto Vanguard with that out of a burn deck feels pretty good, though. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I'm sure For if you sure. target it with a Vanto Vanguard,
2: they'll think a little bit, and then probably just let it die. <laughs>
0: well, that's okay, then you yeah, get yeah, it then damage you it, and yeah. kill the two-drop. That's, like, great. that's great. Oh, absolutely. I really like the backup of this card a lot, but yeah. Very right, current. the fact that like like this allows you to include this as a main deck card for like yeah red metas that are heavy and annoying one toughness creatures, and then when you play against the Teferi deck, you still can cast this thing for, right. for good value. Or yeah. sometimes you finish off at Teferi with the can one this, side. Can right.
2: this hit the planeswalker on the Carnage side? No, so it's not like Blightning it, it can't hit the
0: planeswalker.
2: Right. It can yeah. only hit the player. Right, right.
0: Um Yeah, they, well, you can't ever redirect the player damage to the planeswalker. No, 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 off the the Carnage side.
2: Oh, The yeah, carnage, carnage side can only can hit only players. Hit the... Oh, yeah. But lightning right. could hit either. Okay. Still can't hit either, for some reason. Right.
0: It was a rot It really, weirdly. But yeah. A, a nice, versatile card, that if the meta is right, you'll, you'll want to run it.
2: Gruul, because it's Gruul time. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. We'll start with Domri Chaosbringer, which is a 2RG, 5 Loyalty Domri Planeswalker. Uh, his plus one adds <laughs> a red and a, or a green. Uh, And if that mana was spent on a creature spell, it gains Riot. His minus three is look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal up to two creature cards from among them and put them into your hand and the rest on the bottom in a random order. And his minus 8 is you get an emblem with, at the beginning of each end step, create a 4-4 red and green beast creature token with trample.
0: I think Domri really hinges on whether or not you already have a desire to play a red-green deck that's almost entirely creatures. Yeah. And then he's a good way of diversifying those threats, and then he benefits from the fact that your deck is all creatures, because he doesn't really function in a deck that has fewer than, like, 20 eight-ish creatures or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I do think that this par- card has potential to be a very powerful card advantage card for those kinds of decks, because the mono creature decks tend to lack that, mm-hmm. right? They tend to lack the the cards that really just keep the, keep the card advantage flowing. Mm-hmm. So the play pattern of slam your Domri, minus, and then have a little extra help casting the cards that you find off of that for a couple of turns. It seems reasonable to me. Yeah. Um, Even if you don't need the help, the Riot gives it an extra plus, plus one counter. Hey, so that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. And, you know, and and right, the fact that it's giving the creatures Riot is is very real and shouldn't be overlooked. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't mind this card. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, you know, I just don't know what the gruel decks look like. I don't know if that's there's any particular pull towards Gruul decks right now. Um, I mean, I'm sure people will be brewing with that. Uh, Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting if if this finds a home. If this finds a home, it'll be powerful in Standard. If it doesn't, it won't see any play in Standard. I think it's just one of those. Yeah. I think it gets a little bit pushed out by functioning similarly to Rhythm of the Wild, Mm -hmm. which is an enchantment we'll talk about in a second that gives all your creature spells Riot. And then once you have that in your deck, you know, you're kind of using up some of your non-creature slots. And maybe you run, like, a couple of Domris next to your Rhythms of the Wild, and they you know, provide redundant effects, and that's nice, so you don't always have to have the one. But I think that might keep this from being like, all right, we're starting our deck with four Domrys every time. Yeah,
2: my my main concern with Domry is that he just looks too few cards. Yeah. You only get four cards, and if you want to hit two, you have to play an absurdly high number of creatures. Yeah. And... It's a minus three, so you can't use it many times in a row. You have to plus before, and then if you use it again, it kills him. Right? We're talking like
0: 30 creatures in our deck. Right. right. To, make any, like, to have any sort of
2: consistency. There's all, you have to play a lot of creatures, and if yep. you're playing that many creatures, you, there's no room for
0: spells. Right, right. And spells are yeah. good. Right. And so what <laughs> we need, what we need for this is we need a diverse array of creatures that do spell-like things. And in red and green? There's just not that many. And the, like, mana ramp is a little weird on the 4-drop. You know, we can go straight to, like, Carnage Tyrant the turn after it, and that's kind of cool, but it's also it's not really setting us up in a way that I'm, like, super excited. You know, if this were, like, a 3-mana Planeswalker with adjusted numbers that were doing a similar thing, then that might... Be more because you go to a five drop, yeah, right. And also, you get into there's it by playing a Lanoar Elves and then cast a turn two. But
2: there's also a lot less comp or there's a lot more competition when you're deciding what four drop you want to play, yeah, because they're most of the time four drops are pretty impactful, yeah. And Dom Raid does not appear to be that impactful, no. I,
0: I, if and that's why I say, like, if we already wanted like if we just had a big stack of creatures that we were like, we want all these in the same deck together, how do we tie this together? Then we reach for the Domris, but we have to start with a bunch of creatures that have a diverse array of abilities, and then yeah. Domri comes to provide the card advantage. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. You know, um, though I'm not super excited about this thing. I'm sure we'll see some play. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a Planeswalker,
2: people. Yeah. Next up, we have a Ravager Worm, a card you can coincidentally cast off Domri. <laughs> it's a 3 RGG, so 6 mana total, 4-5 Worm with Riot. And when it enters the battlefield, you can choose up to one. Either Ravager Worm fights target creature you don't control, or destroy target land with an activated ability that isn't a mana ability.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of like big fatties that you come down and you want them to come down and do a thing. This you know, fighting a creature when it comes into play is it's a real effect. It can also come down and murder a Niv or a Lyra Dawnbringer. Yes. Like those are creatures right. that lose to a five six in a fight. Yes. And that that is very relevant, yeah. for sure. You know, definitely not something to be overlooked. I just it it feels slightly underpowered in a standard context to me. A six mana is a lot. Um, so I feel like you would really only want to be playing this if you really know that you, there are specific creatures that you need to come down and kill. So you have to be pretty confident that it's correct to play this over Carnage Tyrants in those slots. Yes. Right. Yeah, Carnage Tyrant is going to eat up a lot of your 6-mana uh, slots. Can, can we stress again how much 6-mana is? It's so it's, much. It's mana. a lot. Yeah. It's um, a lot of mana. 6 is a lot of mana. So that's, I mean, yeah, that's a pretty big downside for this card. Uh, but then also... You know, we were talking about needing a diverse array of creatures that do a diverse number of things, and this, this counts as one of those. It's got some things going for it. I think we really wanted, like, a true, like, flame tongue Kavu kind of creature to yeah. go with our Domri. Yeah, yeah, Um And we don't really get it here. But, so, so Ravager Worm, to me, like... It feels like a card that you make like a meta read, and you make, you decide like yeah, on right. my turn six, the board is probably going to look like this, and that's why I really want a Ravager Worm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's
2: sense. not a card you just play
0: in your everyday red green deck because it's a, a good standalone card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we play it in a format that's infested with like dangerous like four fours and five fives that are in play around this time in the game. I guess. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I I think I'm just gonna probably go with a D for now on sure. this one.
2: Next up is Sunder Shaman, a red, red, green, green, 5-5 giant shaman. It is giant. It is giant. 4-mana 5-5. Sunder Shaman can't be blocked by more than one creature, and whenever Sunder Shaman deals combat damage to a player, destroy target artifact or enchantment that player controls. So it's it's a really big trigon predator.
0: Yeah, it, it is a really big trigon predator, and that's that's kind of nice. Um, but I, And I I don't want to understate the uh, relevance of the first line of text on this card. Creatures that can't be blocked by more than one creature, if they are above size, are very strong. Um, and I think that that text on a 5-5 five five is going to be very good, particularly because this creature is going to be coming down earlier than other five fives. Mm-hmm. So it's going to get a couple of hits in that are either going to be jump locked which is value, or getting it for 5 damage, which is also value. So this, you know, I I think this card in limited is going to be very, very strong. And, you know, is a consideration for cards that a, a Gruul monster's deck is going to want to play. And I think this is one of the Gruul monsters that really benefits from getting Riot from either Domri or Rhythm of the Wild. Giving haste to this thing in a matchup where your opponent has artifacts or enchantments, so this just comes down, clobbers in for five when they don't have a blocker ready, eats an enchantment, that's a gigantic turn. Especially if the enchantment was something like you know, a seal away on one of your other creatures or something like that. Or, you know, your opponent's wilderness reclamation. Or <laughs> your opponent's <laughs> wilderness Yeah. That's I mean but but really like yeah. A, a, man, I, I was sold at just attacking for five. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if that card and and or other enchantments become a, a big part of standard, then you know, this is the gruel counter to that. Yeah, this is the way we say Gruul says, like, stop doing fancy things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're right. just fighting with and Gruul, Gruul in this game. Gruul's gonna need that in order to compete, so right. yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see This it.
2: is a really strong tool for mm-hmm. red-green decks. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I mean, I, I like this card, and it's, if a red-green monster's archetype is gonna be prevalent, I expect us to see play in some context. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really good in that deck.
2: Next up is Cinder Vines, a red-green enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts and it costs red-green, for reference, <laughs> uh, whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, Cindervine deals one damage to that player, and pay one sac Cindervines, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Cindervines deals two damage to that permanence controller.
0: Yeah, this one's interesting. It's 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 kind of like a weird spectacle enabler uh, in a way, is a weird but, spectacle but uh, most of your spectacle stuff are sorcery speed. Oh, that's true. Okay, never mind. I for some reason I was reading this as whenever you cast a non-creature spell. Oh. ignore me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's more like a uh a, a hate card, I guess. Yeah. Kind of a I would say targeted a storm because the, the number is just waste, way too low. But it, it's of that vein.
0: Yeah. Where yeah.
2: if your opponent's playing a longer game with a bunch of spells, right. uh the damage really adds up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's really good against uh like ensnaring bridge decks that deck you.
2: That's uh, true. I don't it, it is think like they can the beat this best card.
0: Anti-lantern card you can ask for. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if that's something you needed for some reason <laughs> yeah I mean it's a very specific sideboard card in modern which is not the kind of sideboard card we want in modern we want board cards that can come in against four or five different decks uh, and cinder vines I don't know I, I mean maybe just like an Idolon that sticks around for the whole game against a control deck even though it's only dealing half but it, it like hits them for every spell they play mm-hmm. like that's that's potentially a bunch of damage yeah, I mean, you know, playing it, and, and then, you know, being an aggressive deck, getting your opponent down to a reasonable life total, mm-hmm. and then their plan is to slam an visit, untapp, and cast a bunch of spells, that suddenly becomes much more difficult Yeah, with something like this in play. True. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that this is a, a pretty strong sideboard card option for red-green decks.
2: Especially if Wilderness Reclamation catches on, we, we think it will. This kills yeah, against, yep, and yeah.
0: stop and punishes people from casting spells. And right. those Wilderness Reclamation decks are going to be having a lot of you know like anticipate kind of cards or yeah just non creature like, spells. Yeah non creature spells card drawing spells in general and this you know could easily deal three damage to them and then you kill an enchantment and deal two more it's mm-hmm. a lot of value for three yeah. mana. Yeah it's definitely a very high impact sideboard card. Yeah I'd be very yeah. excited to draw this in, in scenarios where I believe it would be good. Yeah. Definitely a good consideration.
2: Next up is Gruel Spellbreaker one RG three three ogre warrior with riot and trample. And as long as it's your turn, you and Gruul
0: Spellbreaker have Hex Drew. So this is one of the first cards spoiled. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, this one, you know, speaking of cards that are going to get Settled Wreckage, this fits the bill perfectly, mm-hmm. especially if Settle is going to, you know... I think people have kind of figured out that you can't really rely on Settle as your, you know, catch up. sweeper card. It's just not a catch-up card. It's more of a value removal spell. And with um, Kaya's Wrath in the format... Yeah, you know, it's going to be less important to right. be able to just beat Settle, mm-hmm. you know, have have cards that specifically beat Settle. Yeah. But this card is statted very nicely, you know. Right. It is either a 3-3 haste or a 4-4 in matchups where the haste isn't as important. Trample is good. Uh, the fact that they can't do tricks, off, you know, it's getting in at least one hit against Seal Away or whatever, and it seems totally fine for three mana. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last time they printed a card like this, your opponent got to pick, whether or not it was oh, a 4 or four. <laughs> case. <Yeah. laughs> and people still um, kind of tried to play that card. Yeah, and I played that card. So. <laughs> well, I think um, this one will work much better for you. I, Right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I believe that that format also had Llanowarils. Uh, Elvish Mystic, I believe, but same thing. Yeah. yeah no, so this guy is good friends with Llanowarls. This, Yeah, this guy works out pretty well with Worlds, which I really like. Yeah. And also worth noting, because of the next card we're going to talk about, is that multiple instances of Riot stack. You can get mm-hmm. haste and a plus one plus one counter, or two plus one plus one counters. Right. Or two haste. Or two haste. <laughs> sure. That is a valid option. Yeah. yeah you're allowed <laughs> to pick it. Right? <laughs> yeah. So speaking um, of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is... And then
2: the next up. Rhythm of the Wild. The 1 RG enchantment. Creature spells you control can't be countered. And non-token creatures you control have Riot. Also, this art is fantastic. <laughs> it's just Domri with a bunch of pigs. <laughs> yeah. That's um, the secret to Rioting. It's just having a bunch of pigs. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, this card's good. Uh, I When I first saw it, I thought, this card's pretty good. And then in my head, I like, short-coded it to being Fires of Grapa Maya. And I thought, why did I think this card was so good? And then I looked at it again later when Lee was like, you know, this card's good, right? <laughs> and he's right. Like the fact that you can choose between haste or a plus one plus one counter for all of your creatures, the fact that having multiple ones of these in play stack with each other, the fact that it stacks with other creatures with riot. Yeah. Like this is all good stuff. And it makes your five fives for four scary cards. Yeah. This card is excellent against any control deck that's trying to lean on counterspells in, in, in any context. Even yeah, if they're trying um, to
2: just rule on removal spells, just them haste. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and also
0: haste is excellent against uh, that. And then you know, and then in 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 other contexts, if your opponent is playing creatures, you can then be able to choose between you know making your creatures bigger. And then is really good. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think this card has more flexibility than. Uh, than people are going to initially look at. I think the, the Riot text is, is more powerful than people are initially going to think. One of, one of the things I really like about this card is that it enables
2: the uh, Adapt Creatures, the yeah. Incubation Druid, and the Growth Chamber Guardian, mm-hmm. I think his yeah. name is. Uh, which is especially good for Incubation
0: Druid, yeah. being able to just skyrocket in mana. Yep. And if you have two of these, you can play your Incubation Druid yeah. and tap it for mana immediately. Like, yeah, it's just a Simeon Spirit guy at that point. Very yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I think this card is excellent, and I think this is going to be one of those defining cards in Standard, probably, honestly, one of the better cards in the set. Yeah, I, I, do, I agree. Yeah, I mean, right, I think that this is going to be a backbone of any sort of gruel, uh, you know, majorly gruel strategy of, yeah. of beat-down creatures. Yeah. So. And, and the fact that you, you know, the, the old traditional... You know, the the Fires of Yavamiya play pattern was play a Birds or an Elf, play Fires of Yavamaya. turn 3, you start casting your threats. You really just do it. Yeah. We can still do that. Like, we have, we got Llanowar Elves back, and now we have this, and... It even has
2: the cool kind of Fires thing, where Fires you can sac it to give a creature plus 2 plus 2, so combat was hard for your opponent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, This one doesn't do that, but it does, it can give your creatures plus 1, plus 1 permanently if you want. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. you get to choose how your creatures stack up against their stuff, and yeah. like, like you know, gross spellbreaker can come down, and if I can determine, like, I don't think that my opponent is on sealaways; I think they're on lava coils. It's five five. I can just make it a five five then. Right. Yeah, I mean, Gruul getting enough support, the, there's one combination of cards that has existed in Standard for a minute that hasn't seen any play that I've been very surprised about, but I guess not really because Gruul hasn't seen any support until now, mm-hmm. which is Land War Elves into um, the new Goblin Ravelmaster. Yeah. Um, and I think that that curve is going to be a pretty big part of these decks, and and I think that this is these cards are going to be great inclusions into that deck. So. Right. It is too bad that the... The tokens don't work with rhythm of the wild. Yeah, but. they don't get riot. No. Yeah, but that's all right.
2: But mentor? Or I'm sorry, uh, Legion War Boss. That's the round yeah, boss, Legion right? War Boss. Yeah. The giving that card haste with riot is pretty cool because yeah. you get to mentor the token immediately. Right? Yeah, right. Now, instead mean, of
0: attacking for one, you're attacking for four. Yeah, yeah that's it's... a big difference. That's solid. I so know. I guess in that context, it kind of does pump the tokens a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Well, cool. Oh, there's more Gruel cards. <laughs> oh there's yeah. Just, there's so many good Gruel cards. To send. <laughs>
2: All right. Zertar, Zertar Goblin is a RG 2-2 two, two Goblin Berserker with Riot. That's all it has, just Riot. 2-2 Riot, yep. Riot. So it's 2-2 uh,
0: two, two Haste or a 3-3. Three, three. Like, you know, Watch Wolf is a little outmoded at this point, but having the option, you know, it's a split card kind of. This card is phenomenal, in my opinion. I think that it's it's going to be a, a very important part of these this kind of like Rhythm r- deck? Red, red-green beatdown strategy that, that I think is going to pop up. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're talking about all these three mana cards and their synergy with Llanowar Elves, and that's all good and nice, but we're not going to make a deck that's... Only three four mana cards. Four and Llanowar, Llanowar, Elves Llanowar Elves, and then three mana
1: cards. Multiple Elves. Elves. <laughs> you, know, you
0: really need powerful two-drops to fill out that curve, mm-hmm. and I think that we've got access now to, you know, the very powerful green two-drops that we've already talked about, and then this is also going to be the inclusion, I think, in, in in the beatdown strategies of that deck. Yeah, I am wondering if it maybe gets pushed out of some decks just because... Uh, Growth Chamber Guardian and Incubation Druid are so powerful that sure. maybe we don't need it. But I, no. I think that Incubation Druid in those decks, though, is right. probably right. going to be worse than this. Right. Bit. Sure. Yeah. So I think that I think that in those decks specifically, you're you're more interested in your your one to three, your occasional one to threes, but then mostly just powerful curve outs. Sure. Um. So that's kind of my thoughts on this guy.
2: Yep. Next we have a split card, Thrash and Threat. Thrash is a Two mana, both hybrid, gruel, instant. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. And Threat is a 2RG sorcery
0: that creates a 4-4 red and green beast token with trample. Occupies a similar space to that Azorius card that that creates a Sphinx on the one side and is an Azorius charm on the other side. Yeah, I I really like this card a lot. I do too. Um, that space is a really good space to be in. It is. I mean, that that kind of flexibility is, I think, very strong. The 4-4 the four, four for 4 mana with Trample, that's that's good. I mean, yeah. that's, like, on raid, that's just a powerful card. Or not, I, I wouldn't go say the powerful card, but it's like, you're, you're pretty happy to be able to do that in the scenario. With your removal powerful. spell, yeah. Right,
2: yeah. There, there's been a lot of times where Rabid Bite has been Close. just the card you want, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's just not good enough to play. Yeah. Uh, this one is is Rabbit Bite ish. It hits
0: Planeswalkers, which is really good. Yeah. And it also is a four four. If right. you draw it and you don't want Rabbit Bite. Yeah. And you just need a creature to play on curve. You know, it's just all right. Four four. Yeah. And this, you know, this lets you keep answers to Lyra and whatever control creatures are seeing play. You know, it lets you do that hedging thing where yes, I want contr- I want some removal spells in my deck against uh this control deck, but I don't want fight with fire in my deck against this yeah. control deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this fills that, you know, you have to keep a creature in play, but you have to do that to win the game anyways, so um, the, the only kind of sad thing is that threat doesn't benefit from any of your riot givers, and yeah. that's a little sad, but, uh, but we can live with that. Yeah, for sure.
2: And next up is our last gruel split card, one in a hybrid for an instant is Collision. Collision deals six damage to target creature with flying, and the other side is Colossus, which is a RG instant. Target creature gains plus four, plus
0: two, and gains Trample until end of turn. Weirdly similar design space right. to the Thrash Threat. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty significantly less power, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But you know, it, I think that if you're if you find out that you need a sideboard card that deals with the flyer. Then this is probably your best bet for that kind of bet. sure. Not too proud to play plummet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm saying you know, plummet's been a, a good sideboard card in standard before. So and this definitely is plummet. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't kill like chromium, but no removal spells kill chromium. <laughs> right. So right, <laughs> it, it definitely kills all the flyers that you're going to want to kill. Yeah, 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 for sure. Colossus does a good job of forcing through damage against, for example, like an aristocrat's board. If they're like chump blocking your five five. Mm-hmm. That they can only put one creature in front of, and then you colossus it to make it have nine power and trample. Then that's a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah. So sure. so there may be multiple spots where you can sideboard this card in, and it's good. Um, but it does feel like a sideboard card to me. All right. So that does it for our rule cards, and now we get to move on to all of our favorite color combination. <laughs> it's Simic. Yay. Yay Cynic. So we start off with uh prime speaker Zinifar. Zanifar. Xanifar. Zanifar. Vanifar? Yeah. It's I a know. V? It's a V. <laughs> Look man card, card names in me are like apples and oranges. So it's a it's a four-minute two four, two uh green and blue for a legendary creature that's an uh elf ooze wizard. Good creature types. Oh yeah. It's an ooze. It gets bigger. It has, it has three at different, sometimes. It has three different tribal lords in standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just goes in and it can search up all of them. Oh. So here's what it does. Uh, it says tap sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to 1 plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So, it's Birthing Pod. On a stick. Birthing Pod is pretty good. <laughs> this seems a little bit worse than Birthing Pod. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, it, it obviously invites that comparison, yep. but it costs one more mana than Birthing Pod. Yes. It, costs, it doesn't cost mana to activate, but it doesn't have haste the way birthing bod does and it's on a body that it's get on killed. a body that can get removed yeah
2: well that the body is a, a plus minus, right because creatures are so much easier to tutor for or interact with than artifacts are. true that's true to true. benefit and detriment
0: but yeah 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 yep yeah. 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 um I mean, for the formats that we're thinking about this in, we don't have access to Birthing Pod anyway. So the comparison is helpful to think about, like, compared to how Birthing Pod was. Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit moot, because if we want this effect, this is how we're getting it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, in Standard, we have a couple of ways of giving this haste, and that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. If we're building some weird teamer creature value deck, and we're just going up the chain to get value, and we've got, you know, uh, a Rhythm of the Wilds in play to give her haste, and who knows, you know, like, if we keep turning our uh, Growth Chamber Guardians and then turning them into three threes and stuff, like, there's a bunch of ways to get weird value off of her. This may not be powerful enough to compete with just the raw, like, huge mana that's getting generated off of stuff or, you know, Nexus of Fates that are getting cast. But Birthing Pod, as an effect, has been powerful before. In Modern, I don't love her because of the lack of haste, but the one big difference she has over Birthing Pod is the ability to go up a chain of creatures and keep getting untapped by comes into play abilities of those creatures. So, like, if you play a Deceiver Xark, you can untap her. If you chain into a Zealous Conscripts, that can untap her, and it becomes very easy to chain up into a combo at that point. Yeah, it's a, mostly what I've seen is Scrib
2: Ranger is the main card that can tap creatures but couldn't untap Birthing Pod. Right, or is Deceiver
0: Xark and Zealous Conscripts could untap Birthing that, Pod? That's I guess that's true. They could, couldn't they? But yeah, yeah. Uh, like like, but, but, the main yeah. difference is burning what costs mana and this doesn't right. so, okay. snapping so you can it is go up a chain. valuable. yeah, yeah that, that all makes sense yeah you're right so you know maybe that's something in modern but you know it's like you can't company into her she's very vulnerable to a lot of removal in modern can't get bolted mm-hmm. um, and I'm just not sure that we have enough value creatures in the standard to really mm-hmm. justify playing a Two four for four you have to untap with to you know do anything and sacrifice. Uh, that's right. why it. like, yeah, yeah, I want to give her a taste. Yeah,
2: yeah. I've I've tried to build a couple decks with her mm-hmm. I'm thinking the Rhythm of the Wild would make her worthwhile enough. And the fact is that there's just not enough cards that give you immediate value with comes with the play effects sure, in the exactly. way you want exactly. to justify her being sorcery speed and in all those colors. Yep. And Having to support her and keep your curve correct. It's just a lot of work for not very much payoff yeah. in standard. Right. Yep.
0: Yeah. That, that's that's my read as well, for yep. sure. Yep. That'll make sense. Yeah. I think this is one of those splashy looking cards that maybe sees like almost no play yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, I'm I I like that assessment. I bet this card would be a blast in brawl. <laughs> <Sure, laughs> but I'm yeah. not gonna play it in standard. <laughs> right. So next up we've got Hydroid Crisis. So this one I'm I'm actually pretty excited about. It's uh X. Uh, green blue for a jellyfish hydra beast. Uh, you know, I gotta throw that. Oh, there. yeah, Simic has just the best. Sim- <laughs> Simic is great. It's a zero zero, but uh, when you cast. Yeah, so when you cast the spell, you you gain half X life and draw half X cards rounded down each time. So that's pretty interesting key, or line of text there. As flying and trample. It also uh, comes in the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. So this card is, you know, it's an it's an XX, you know. So you can pay four mana for a two-two that draws you a card,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or you can pay uh, six mana for a four-four that draws two cards. You know, these are numbers that we can pretty easily relate with and, and feel very powerful. Uh, and But it's a little more flexible than that. You can still cast it for 5 mana. You only draw one card, but it's still so a 3-3 three. instead of, you know, so that's that's not irrelevant. It's not it's not an XX card by any means. Right, you're never wasting mana when you right. cast the spell. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're still getting extra value for it just being better sized. I really like this card. I um, do too. I think that uh, the the draw cards on cast is such an important keyword against control decks. I think that's going to be really really strong there. Um, it, it also gains life. Uh, yeah, the life gain is not not to be overlooked. Um, anytime you see incidental life gain on a card, that's exactly where I want my life gain to be.
2: Like yeah, especially since it, in the matchups where it's not control, like where you're more of a bigger deck against a more of a smaller deck. Yeah, uh, playing it on two mana, having it just be a, a two two. The cantrips and gains a life, yeah. that's pretty important for buffering to maybe cast a bigger one later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely.
2: It kind of reminds me of Solemn Lacrum. Right. In that role. It doesn't ramp you like Solemn does, but... It, yeah.
0: It, it chains means... into more stuff. Right. Basically. And it buys you time. And, and it can buy you time. Like, what I really like about this is it it is that like time buyer, and then it's also the payoff later in the game, mm-hmm. um, and it just bridges you. So like I think you can easily just run four of these in one of these decks. Like that that may just be what you want to do. Yeah, it's also just the perfect colors for this because this kind of blue green ramp deck it like has the tools for this, whether we're using Explore or whether we're using Hadana's climb and the druid. And then this comes into play with X plus one plus one counters comes very easy to flip Hadana's climb. If this is a five five Right. Hadana's Climb, put a, you know, you know, put a counter on this, attack for 12, like, it'll kill yeah. your opponent really quickly. And this in the deck where, that pretty consistently puts counters on your your Incubation Druid, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, all of a sudden we're, we're able to cast this for a very large amount of mana. Very, very quickly. Getting a, a lot of value. Yeah. Uh, so, you know... Uh, I can very reasonably see this, you know, uh, people consistently drawing three cards off of this mm-hmm. um, in that context. And that, you know, all of a sudden you're getting a 6-6 six, six that drew you three cards and gained you three life. That's- yeah. That's a lot of value.
2: And honestly, if I spend 8 or 9 mana on a card and it gets countered, and I'm like, oh, that's not
0: too bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, that, that's very good. <laughs> yeah. and that, that's one of the reasons why the ramp deck has not existed, despite having pretty decent ramp options in, like, Gilded Lotus and Grow from the Ashes and stuff like that. You know, what are we going to do? Ramp into Zakama and get it countered? That's terrible. There's lots of cancels, but we can just fight through the cancels, and that seems really good. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think this is going to be at least a C, maybe even a B, depending, maybe on, the, yeah. I mean, depending on how strong it ends up being. I mean, I'm going into this format trying to build decks that run four of this. Yeah, so like, yeah, that's just what I'm doing. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Next up, we've got Zagana, Utopian Speaker. So it's uh, four mana, four, four, uh, two green and a blue for a legendary Merfolk wizard. When Zagana enters the battlefield, if you control another creature with a plus one plus one counter on it, draw a card. Um, it also has six mana, adapt four, and says each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it has trample. So this seems to be a, another merfolk payoff card in, in a lot of contexts. I think that, you know, this card is going to fit best into, like, uh, a merfolk deck that has a bunch of, like, explore merfolks and other synergies, potentially. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that... This card was probably printed with that in mind. I don't know if it's powerful enough to see play in any other context other than it just being you know it's a four, four 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 that has the ability to turn into an eight eight trample, which is you know very real. Um so I you know i don't I don't think that the power level of this card is weak by any means, but I just don't know any other decks that would really be excited about, including this deck. It seems card. pretty comfy in merfolk as like a one or two of or something Mm -hmm. like that just a curve topper kind of thing you're very likely it's it's unlikely that you can't set it up to be a four mana four four draw card in that deck you just don't want to draw too many of these four mana spells in this deck that's trying to flood the board Mm -hmm. um giving you know some matchups you'll want to go really tall with a deep root champion and give it trample by having this in play and that's kind of nice and or, or you know, deeper champion can keep putting plus one, plus one counters onto this, and it's already tall, and uh, you know, turn this into a six, six, seven, seven trample. That's good. Yeah, I, I think it's okay in that yep. deck specifically, and I don't really want to play it in pretty much anything else. Yeah. The,
2: the, if we're not playing in a Merfolk, there's just better four mana yeah. options, For yeah. Sure. Especially because it's in blue and green. Right. <laughs> when there's a, I just want the to strategies you, of. I'm uh, needing a 4 and a four four and a blue green and wanting one. This just like yeah, it doesn't right. match up very often. Okay. For
0: sure. Yeah. So, you know, D, I think, in my mind. Yeah. Sure. Next up is Frilled Mystic. <laughs> so this is uh, green, green, blue, blue for a flash three uh, two. when Frilled Mystic enters the battlefield, you can counter target spell. And it's a lizard wizard. It's a lizard a lizard wizard. <laughs> You're a lizard. <laughs> You're, yeah. Indeed. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we're pretty familiar with the cards similar to this. Um, I think I've mentioned this card several times uh, already (laughs) We've been talking about this card. Uh, I think that it works really, really well with um, our favorite enchantment in this set. Mm -hmm. And it's just a powerful card. It's, you know, a 3-2 body that comes with countering a spell is is very strong, in my mind. And it's a card like this that really makes me excited to build just a, like, general mid-range strategy... Blue green deck, um, and I think that's just like you know all these blue green cards on their own have such potential to be so powerful on their own that you can play this really strong mid range strategy in a deck that's really well utilizing for the enchantment that we like wilderness reclamation, <laughs> wilderness reclamation, yeah, and and then that deck can also potentially have a very powerful late game of taking infinite turns, so fight. All those things add up really well to me, it, and I think that this is going to be a really important piece to that.
2: Yeah. Also, it, it attacks for three. Like, yeah, it attacks if for you, three. If you're just Turn taking, your spell, untap, and hit you. If you're just taking turns, you might not even need to take all that many if you've played
0: one already. Right. Play right, another right. one, tuck their guy with the fairy, and attack them twice. Yeah. And it plays really well with Adapt,
2: because yes. either they don't
0: cast a spell, and then you're just like, all right, Adapt my guy, mm-hmm. or they cast a spell, and you're like, blow you out with Frilled Mystic, yeah. and those are both great options for you, yeah. so... Um, yeah, I, d- I definitely like it a lot for sure. Um, probably going to be a C moving forward. Yeah. I don't know if it's B exactly, but it's just something that is going to be in the semi text. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next up, we've got Biomancer's Familiar. So uh, it's uh, two mana, two two. That's green, blue to cast. It says activated abilities of creatures you uh, activated abilities of creatures you control cost two less to cast. This effect can't reduce the amount of mana and ability. Costs to activate to less than one mana. mana. So, kind of some built in uh, no busted stuff. Here be, really. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and it also has a tap ability. The next time target creature adapts its turn, it adapts as though it has no plus one plus one counters on it. So, you, you can activate adaptability and it works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you can adapt, you, you can just keep adapting the same. Like If we want a place to sync mana, like, this allows us to keep sinking it into the same thing. Also, just makes those adapt costs cost too less. Like, this is the kind of card that is often like, yeah, I want to build a deck around this keyword adapt and all. And then it's not really more than just a casual deck. Hmm. But this does seem just like very powerful, potentially. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Uh, I'm just, you know... I think that the best text on this card is this tap ability. (laughs) Being able to recursively adapt your creatures each turn is just pretty powerful, just like extra fat late game. And then those creatures that want, that have text on them that benefits from getting counters, you know, this is just effectively another way of repetitively putting those counters on those cards. Well, but also think about if we curve this turn two into Growth Chamber Guardian turn three, we get to play Growth Chamber Guardian pay one mana to turn it into a 4-4, get another Growth Chamber Guardian. Mm -hmm. Then we can play that as a 3-mana 4-4 that gets another Growth Chamber Guardian. Yeah, that's fair. And then, you know, even once we've run out of Growth Chamber Guardians, we could keep adapting them if we really wanted to. Um, This may just be a helpful, like, uh, I I have my two good two drops for the Simic deck in Growth Chamber Guardian and uh, the Druid, and then this one also, like, helps my other cards be better. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my concern with this card is that I think that the Adapt cards that I want to play in Standard mm-hmm. are just good enough on their own and don't need a card like this to make them better. Sure. I think that this kind of screams win more in my mind, given the fact that the cards that we're excited to play with the have Adapt are very, very powerful already. Yeah. You know, um so that would be my hesitation. But you know, maybe maybe this card just really puts things way over the top and is necessary. I don't know. Yeah, I don't this is the kind of card that I usually have no interest in, but for yeah. some reason like this one, I'm just like looking at the play patterns in my mind and they mostly feel scary. Sure. Me. Sure. So yeah. I,
2: I think there's a lot of diminishing returns on the adapt creatures you want to be using this with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So growth chamber guardian and incubation druid, mostly. This is the best adapt creature I think we covered. We're not really yeah. interested in Zagana. Right. Because right. that's also a lot of mana to adapt. Yeah, so yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh, Even this, with a two discount. <laughs> right. So with um, Incubation Droid, you get nothing for adapting it, other than, or adapting it an additional time, mm-hmm. other than three more counters. Right. Which is fine, but, but that's all you're getting. With Growth Chamber Guardian, after you've already got the fourth one out of your deck, you're not getting anything more. Right. Yeah. Uh, the best creature this can ad- get with adapt that you would possibly play is the murfolk we talked about earlier the one drop that loots mm-hmm. that turns that card into blue mana put a plus one one count on it loot yeah which is seems more powerful to me than adapting either of the
0: blue creatures
2: yeah or i'm sorry the green creatures yeah uh but i don't think that's strong enough to compete either
0: no. yeah maybe not yeah but the there's some power in here like i agree that it's like very speculative but, mm-hmm. like, this is one that I actively would like to try, is yeah. just kind of where I'm at.
2: Definitely.
0: And maybe there's, like, other non-adapt activated
2: abilities out there, but in what I've glanced at yeah, from, Scryfall and Gatherer, yeah. there's just not that much out there. We okay. care about activating over and over. There's no walking blister or anything. Right. right.
0: Yeah, That that's that's what we really want with this is, <laughs> a, is a walking blister. Yeah, that, that would be, whew, very, very good. good. Yep. Um... Yeah. So, I mean, for me, this card falls in the category of cards that I don't have high hopes for, but I will test. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, next up, we've got Growth Spiral. So this is um, green-blue for an instant draw a card, and you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So, it's explore. It's an instant. But it costs green-blue. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, it. This one I do have hopes bit, for. It. Yeah, this one I will be playing and will be a uh you know a card played significantly in this format it gives you a mana back yeah that's that's very good it's you know you can kind of evaluate it as long as you have the lands uh as a one mana cantrip that ramps you so great yep it's uh i think this card's really good the fact that it's an instant works so well with so many of the other cards in the set um i've seen people brewing with it and niv mizzet gets you out niv mizzet a turn earlier is great when you have niv mizzet because it's a cantrip like Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. This card does a lot of stuff. Um, also, incredible, like very identifiable sub McKinnon art. Uh, yeah, and just is excellent. <laughs> I really, I really liked the Devil's art as well, which is also I did Yeah. But my my
2: favorite thing about this card is that it's a two mana ramp card that can't really be interacted with.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah.
2: Incubation Druids very good, but you can shock it. Yeah, right. right. Yep. Dice this, it dies the most anything. Yeah, Dice the most anything. You just freeze. But growth spiral, you just. It happens, mm-hmm. if, as long as you draw a land, right. or any card, but have another land, mm-hmm. uh, it'll put you a turn ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And, you know, to be fair, you'll notice that you run out of lands in your hand much faster than you'd expect to, especially with cards like this. Um, right, we're so, not trying to put Gross Spiral in a 22-23 land deck. Right, I, I, I think that if you are playing Growth Spiral, you really need to make sure that you're at least playing 24 lands, mm-hmm. so that's... Um that's a that's a good point. Sure. Twenty
2: four would be on the low side for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: But you know, I, I
0: like it. A lot of people have talked about this already. I don't think we need to spend a ton of no. time yeah. on it. But it's just good. Maybe we we'll see play. Um this next card I also really, really like, and I think it might be one of the more underrated cards right now. Mm-hmm. Um this is incubation income Incongruity. <laughs> so uh Incubation is a uh single uh hybrid simic. Um for a sorcery, it says, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put, put it in your hand and then put the rest on the bottom in random order. Chris made a good point earlier where, with effects like this, you really want to be finding a diverse array of kinds of cards, right? And this one only finds creatures. Um, but which. Simic creatures. No? But, but the, the creatures that we have access to um, in the set are very strong. And this card, being in your deck, is going to make it so much more likely that you're going to be able to play the extraordinarily powerful 2-mana green creatures that we have access mm-hmm. to on turn 2. Mm-hmm. So having this, having this card as a horror in your deck just means that you're so much a lot more likely to have an Incubation Druid or a Growth Chamber Guardian on turn 2, and those are going to be your most powerful draws. Yep. And that is why I really love this card. And then late, you can just, you know, you can just find your Hydroid Crisis you know or whatever. It's you, you can still dig late game for other like powerful late game cards. It finds a Thrilled Mystic, it finds your Hybrid Crisis, it finds your you know, the early cards that you want to cast. It, it this card does a lot to me. And we haven't um, even talked about the second half of the split card yet. Right, and that's and that's just that's just half of it. Uh so Incongruity is the other half. Uh it's an instant for one to green and the blue it says exile target creature that creature's controller creates a 3/3 three, three green frog lizard creature token. This is just your safety valve against Lyra's or Nifmizits or whatever. I know I've said those two creatures together a lot of the time but th- I mean those are format defining cards so we those, should those definitely the, mention them. those are the big creatures that people yeah. find like, that you can actually target. Right. Yeah. This this card has a lot of utility. Um you know you can if, if there's a big problematic creature you can you can exile it. That's great. It's gone. Um it's it's gone. Uh they have a 3 3 but you're you're playing a green deck so that should be fine. Your growth um, chamber guardian should be able to yeah yeah, the, yeah yeah yeah. The 3 3. But also another important um uh, text on this card is: This is an instant, and uh, I think that this is going to make this green-blue deck a uh, really good against control decks that are trying to remove your creatures. Um, any any like spot removal style cards against you guys? You know, you you like ha- you have this in your hand kind of incidentally, right? Because you're playing it because you want to dig for creatures mostly, um, and then your opponent points a removal spell on one of your creatures, and you're like, all right, I have seven three creatures. That's, I think that's a a utility on this card that shouldn't be overlooked, and probably people are going to miss that. Or you can just use it to dig for another creature. Um, sure. So, but I mean, it's a, it's a tempo thing mostly, but, but I, I just really like that is also a play pattern. Yeah. And I, you know, I like, I like cards that offer more play patterns than EDI. It is a really flexible card. Mm -hmm. And I think the vast majority of the time that you're using it is, yeah, going to be digging on turn one for that, that powerful two-drop. Oh yeah. Because most people aren't doing anything on turn one. Right. I mean, it is a Shroudland format, so a lot of people are putting into foil land, tapped on turn one, to serve sure. a little life. But yeah. the fact that you can just cast a powerful cantrip turn one in Standard yeah. is a big advantage. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and I wouldn't be nearly as excited about this card if I wasn't so excited about all of the sweet creatures that we're getting. Yeah, and you can play this in a like Gruul deck, and maybe with a couple of green, you know, a couple of blue duels added in, just in case you want to cast the incongruity. Uh, later in the game but if you, you know if we decide that we have this gruel deck that we all really want to dig like this card only costs green but, or only costs blue so um the the hybrid mana cost on incubation is very important right. um, i've also seen people talking about like maybe putting it in like a drakes or a phoenix deck uh, i think you need a lot more creatures in your deck because missing with this is just a, a travesty yeah and you need 20 plus creatures to to make sure that you're you're not getting destroyed very often. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: Uh, it, it really surprised me when you said that people were underrating this card. I, oh, really? I, I thought this card was incredible for okay. the first part I saw. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: who, who are these people? are like, taking five cards. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not about that. Um, I, I guess I mostly say that because I just haven't heard a lot of people talking about it.
2: That's fair. It has been overshadowed
0: by a lot yeah. of the cards coming out later. Because this right. is one of the very early cards. Preview. It was previewed before New Year's. Yeah, and nobody was talking about it yeah. for a long time. Boy. And I think that it, people's initial looks at this card that I heard were like, Mom, this could be interesting. We kind of had this card before, because Incubation is really just commune with nature mm-hmm. with a hybrid mana cost. Yeah. But yeah. we get a whole extra half of the card on there, and commune with nature was close, and I think just commune with nature is really good right now, given the creatures we have. Yeah, it's to. it's really yeah, it's really context dependent on the fact that these two, mana two, features, drops. two drops are really important yeah, for these yeah. type of cards. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You could have a turn a good impactful turn
2: one, which leads into a really good impactful turn two. Right.
0: Yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. You you just get like a twelve card hand towards mm-hmm. your two drop or a thirteen card hand towards your two drop, and that's that's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that, that mostly does it for our, that does it for our cynic cards. Yep. So Um, we just got a couple of artifacts. Um, we've got glass of the guild pack, which is a two mana artifact, multicolored creatures you control get plus one, plus one. This mostly seems like one of those casual cards that people have wanted to get printed for a very long time. Yeah. I, I drew
2: really like the art of this card. It has all, yeah. a nice pane glass of all the guild symbols. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very nice, yeah. for sure. It's cool. But in Standard, I don't really see it going anywhere. Yeah. You know, the, the hero of the Precinct 1 seems like the multicolored payoff card you really want because mm-hmm. it's too hard to keep multicolored creatures in play a lot of the time.
0: There's... Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure people are going to like post all sorts of bad modern lists that use this and <laughs> and it's all right yeah. uh, but but it is a cool casual card to exist uh, i just don't think it's gonna have much impact in in constructed formats yeah i agree with that for, for sure we also got scrabbling claws this is a reprint artifact for one mana it has tap target player exiles a card from their graveyard and one sacrifice scrabbling claws exile target card from a graveyard draw a card um you know if we're trying to not get phoenixed out at any point in standard this allows us to not get phoenixed out um at pretty low cost i really
2: like it when i see cards like this printed in these yeah. sets because it just means that maybe looking forward there's more graveyard synergies mm-hmm. and yep. there's a safety valve for them yeah yep and if it's scrapping scribe might actually see play uh if it's important it, Last time it was printed, it saw, like, no play. Yeah. Because the only thing you could do with the Graveyard
0: was Eternal Witness. (laughs) That was the
2: only card in, like, the format that cared about the Graveyard.
0: That's funny. Scrabbling Cross, you said it didn't see a lot of play in the last time it was in in the format, and I think that if that is also true moving forward, I would also be fine with that as long as it exists. Yeah. You know, I just, just, you know, having cards like this is important. I agree. It
2: was an important sideboard card so that you couldn't loop... Eternal Witness with Astral Slide forever. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that, that was what it saw play for, and it was good at that. Well, And deal. so if there's a, a situation in Stan where we need to stop graveyard nonsense, I'm glad Scraven Clause is here for us.
0: Nice. Yep. Nice. Also, it's a cheap artifact for, like, Karn and Deseret. We're mm-hmm. never flying Balls with those cards. Stolbenbach cares about artifacts. Well, yeah. but he's with those bros that care about. Oh, okay, backs. my bad, my bad. Uh, lands, we got the Gilgates. Most importantly, we got the Shock Lands. Man great. Do whatever the hell you want. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, not not a lot to say on the lands. We know that we're getting all the Shock Lands that fill out the rest of the color combinations. Those are going to be very helpful for our mana base. Mm-hmm. So you know, don't worry too much about your mana bases moving forward. We got you covered. Is, I think, really all we need to say about this. Yeah, but pay attention to what you need on what turn and make sure that you, your mana, like, works for that. Because there are some really challenging mana costs in this format with Yeah, like, for old Mystic, with cards like Bedevil, Kaya's Wrath, Absorb, like... Just study up on your Frank Karsten graphs. Like, yeah. Go to town. For yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that that does us. We uh, did it. <laughs> that's, that's our set review. Uh, so... Yep, so good job team. Um, <laughs> everybody who has stuck around for this long, thank you so much for listening, really appreciate it. Um, if you want to lend us some support, you can find our website mtggrandcast.com and click the link to the, our Patreon there, uh, you can go directly to patreon patreon.com slash Um We really appreciate the support if you want to come hang out in our discord. Um, you can find us on Twitter. I am tweeting from at MTG underscore grindcast. Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins um, Mullen. Lee is also on Twitter. At Lee McCleo. And yeah, that's really it for us. We're pretty tired. So. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening and have a great week. All right. Peace. Bye.